0: Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. I'm Carter, and I'm joined by the lovely Carrie Smith. There she is. Hi, Carter. Hello, Good Gordon. morning. How are Good you? Morning. I'm OK. If you notice, I've got uh, my setup's a little bit different because I'm standing today. So I might be drifting around because I, I might be. OK. I'm sorry if I'm away from the mic, but my back. You know what kind of mood I was in on Saturday. And after I talked to you. Yes. I went and did some bag work, which I do normally, but I think I just went a little bit nuts and threw out my back. So yesterday I was basically on my back all day. Um, so Bag
1: work sounds like you were bagging bodies.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, 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 just, you know,
2: sitting, <laughs> hitting,
0: hitting the heavy bag a little bit. And, and uh, I'm too old, Carrie. I'm too old. I got to plant your feet. So, no, you don't plant your feet, Beverly. I mean, you can if you want to get hit. Uh, Beverly. <sighs> anyway, yeah, bad back. What are you gonna do? But uh, at least I'm not in the mood I was on Saturday, which is which is good, good, which is good. Um. So yeah, how are how are you doing this morning? I'm good. Yeah.
1: If it's your first time here, you are at Unsafe Space. You can find us at unsafespace dot com. We have a web store we have a book club and the book club is free to join we're reading currently reading atlas shrugged we're going to be discussing it on august 23rd if you want to be in the live video chat send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com. or you can also just be in the chat on youtube you don't have to be on camera and uh, what else
0: <laughs> someone asked if unsafe space has oh ninja kitty does unsafe space have the trunk for all those bodies yes we do have uh, we have privilege, <laughs> we have trunk space to house all the bodies. Uh, you know, um, one of the perks. Anyway,
1: welcome. <laughs> we have a couple of shows. This is called Confetti Break. It's a live show we do on Mondays and Fridays. We also have a show called Deprogrammed, which is sort of a deep dive into my old belief system, social justice ideology. And we often, not always, but often on that show, we get to interview people, like really interesting people. So you can check out the archive of Deprogrammed videos. Yep. And... We'll and God, we also do here. other
0: random stuff, right? We have, we've been doing some shows on tactics. We sometimes do some shows on, you know, we just bring an expert on a particular subject and talk to them. So, uh, but, oh, live shows, you, are live shows. Me. you get what you get, what
1: I need to get in touch with Timmy. Cause she, we were going to do a makeup tutorial and <laughs> we never did it.
0: <laughs> we've never done that. And I don't feel bad about it, but you know, Gary wants a makeup tutorial It might be a show that I'm absent from. You may not be there. uh, Yeah. Yeah, It may be a Carrie Solo show. She
1: she does makeup (laughs) tutorials. So I was like, let's do one. Why not? How fun.
0: Um, (laughs) Oh, you know what I had to do this weekend? I know it's not makeup related, but it is. uh, It was a big deal for me. My wife wanted to dye her hair and no salons are open. And she's like, you have to help me. It did not go well. She now has blotchy. It did not go well. No, no. I tried. But, you know, uh, apparently I could not get a job at a salon. <laughs> She's got very black. hair. What color did now. you dye it? She wanted to, like, bleach it first before she did anything because her hair is, like, jet black, right? So she can't do anything okay. until it's bleached. So now it's kind of patchy, multicolored hair. So good for your marriage. Always say no if you're asked to dye hair, guys. <laughs> Just don't, don't go there. Don't, don't even go try. go there. Yeah. Um, okay,
2: can
1: we talk about something personal?
0: We can talk about it's lots a, of stuff. We can talk about this whatever. is not
1: a political news item or anything. This is just something, I just was sharing these thoughts online, but I had more thoughts about it that's greater than a Facebook post, and I wanted to share this. I had a conversation with someone recently about a preacher who was, asked to stop preaching at his church because they asked him to stop using, some people asked him to stop using big words and said that, uh, one person in particular said he made them feel dumb. And I was thinking about that and it, we have this tendency as humans to want to put our, the responsibility for our feelings and emotions or something that we feel about ourselves onto other people. Like, oh, you made me feel – you make me feel dumb or you make me feel – It's
0: certainly convenient. We all are tempted to do that. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, you make me feel overweight or you make – it's like, no, you feel dumb. So do something
0: about it. Like, you can (laughs) – Wait, Beverly, make a note of that timestamp. That clip is just a (laughs) clip by itself. You feel dumb, so do something about it. Thank you, Carrie.
1: (laughs) But it's like – Either you either either you feel dumb because that's something true about you or because you you think that it's true about you. But either way, it bothers you. So fix it, you know, and and you should be grateful to be around like healthy people are not personally offended by the intelligence of someone else or by the talent of someone else or whatever. They're not personally offended by it. They actually seek it out because healthy people like to be around people who are going to push them to stretch their talent or their intellect or whatever going to push them to learn and to grow. And so it's such a weird thing to say, you make me feel this way. I was like, I just watched this part of this documentary about Michael Jordan. I'm like, it's like if Michael Jordan came to volunteer to teach your basketball camp and instead of being very grateful and excited about what you could learn. (laughs) You make me feel like a bad basketball
0: player.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Michael Jordan makes me feel like I'm a bad player. Wow, what a way to squander the opportunity <laughs> to learn a little bit and get a little bit better by just talking about how he makes you feel. He doesn't make you feel that way; you feel that way. So fix it. Do something I, that. Makes I you love
0: change. what you're saying. I love what you're saying. Uh, get over it. And, yeah.
1: And this is related. One last thing.
0: No, keep going. Keep going.
1: Well, like I was saying it made me think of when I quit drinking and how most people, by the way, most people very supportive. And even I got messages from people who who I had no idea they were impacted by it at all. But people who said, "Hey, you made you made me no, but you helped me to quit, or you helped me to cut back on this, or this other vice, or whatever. You encouraged me just by you not drinking." But there's another personality type. There were a few people who there's this they're angry. This, this, the, <laughs> they're angry, and it's this feeling of uh, like that as if they're being judged. Just by being around a person who's not drinking, they feel judged about their own drinking or something. It's like, no, if if, if somebody makes you feel bad about your drinking um, just by the fact that they're not drinking, then you you feel bad about your drinking. Do something about it. You feel dumb. You feel bad about your drinking. You feel whatever. In the social justice world, I most often see this, in, in, and you see it in all aspects of social justice ideology, but I, I most often see it in the... So called fat positive part of the ideology. There's a lot of uh, feminists in the feminist side of the ideology who get really angry and are personally offended and triggered. You know, whenever a woman uh, shares a post or talks about face to face about losing weight or working out or going to the gym or trying to get healthy, right. there's this feeling of, they have this feeling of anger and as if they're being judged for it's like that has nothing to do with you. Right. If you feel. If somebody posting their status update on how much weight they've lost by working out because they're excited about it and they're excited about growing in that way, if that makes you feel bad about yourself or overweight or, or lazy or whatever, th- that's on you. Do something about it if you feel that way. That's your feeling.
0: I, I, <laughs> I couldn't I, love what you're saying more. You're completely correct and – uh <laughs> I, and it's not just social justice warriors right it happens it happens a lot in relationships or you blame the other person for how you're feeling like especially like romantic relationships i see it all the time you make me feel blah 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 it's like well no you feel like blah blah blah, and i'm whatever i'm doing is triggering that maybe but uh the you know the flip side of it though ben, i go ahead well, go ahead well
1: let me interject for a second mm-hmm Sometimes people do have bad intent, and they are trying to make you yeah, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's manipulative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are trying to make you feel bad or whatever. But even for those bad actors, even for the people who are trying to make you feel bad, they don't. They can't control your feelings. You have to let. They them. can't if you don't
0: I, actually let them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, mm. that means there's something in you that feels that way. So figure out what it is, and then take steps. First of all, acknowledge the feeling because if you speak the feeling out loud, like neuroscientists have shown, it helps reduce the emotion. If you name it, what it is you're feeling, and then figure out what you can, what are some proactive steps you can do so you don't feel that way? What will make you feel not that way in the future? And it doesn't mean um, changing. Like in the case of that preacher, yeah, I, I guess you can try to control him and vote him out of your church so that you don't have to hear his big word sermons. But you still at the end of the day you still feel dumb. You didn't do anything about the way that you feel. You feel dumb and, and tomorrow or next week or next year somebody's going to come around another intelligent person is going to make you make you feel dumb cuz you didn't do anything about well, it. Well,
0: you're trying to change reality to fit your your psychology, right? You're trying to you're trying to create a reality that caters to your own personal psychology rather than yeah. adjusting your psychology to the reality of the world that you're in, which is yeah. There are people smarter than you who use bigger words. Okay. Or maybe they're not smarter. Maybe they just have a better I mean, I've known some really I knew a, a guy who was I think actually he was extremely intelligent, but he did not have a, what he would have said a lot of book learning, right? He was for like from the he was from the country. He spoke with an accent that people generally ascribe to, you know, stupid hick kind of like that's the the stereotype, right? That was how he appeared. Yeah. Right? But I, I remember going to his house one time. I was in college. I went to his house, and uh, it, was be- it was the most gorgeous house. And it was really interesting architecturally. And uh, you know, being an engineer kind of mindset, I'm like looking at what he's done. And, and I remember saying to him, wow, like what, who is the architect? And he looked at me. He was literally like chewing straw. And he looked at me, and he goes, ain't no architect. I built this myself. And I'm like, where are your plans? (laughs) Ain't got no (laughs) plans. And I realized, like, oh, my God, this man is a genius. This man is a genius. And everyone treats him like he he fits into the stereotype of, like, oh, dumb (laughs) hick. The guy was a genius. The stuff that he built was amazing. And he did it all in his head. um, Didn't write anything down. uh, And, uh, you know, he didn't feel dumb, though. Uh, No. And I don't think... Me using big words did not make him feel w- dumb. <laughs> like he didn't – he, it? It, he wasn't he self-conscious healthy... that my vocabulary was superior. That was not an issue for him.
1: Right. <laughs> if he has a healthy self-esteem or whatever, you know, why would you feel that way? It's, and if it do, and if, if you using big words did make him feel dumb, then that shows there's something – there's some insecurity there that he needs to address in himself. Right. You know? Right.
0: No, I, you're right. I see it all the time. And, and like like I said, you see it in couples a lot. And – the the flip side of this and um, this is something i know i struggle with uh because of my particular psychological makeup and upbringing and stuff um you also, in relationships, have to get used to when you hear someone... So there's the, people can say, you make me feel blah, blah, blah. That's not correct, right? So a psychologist will say, use I statements. That's kind of a cliche, right? Use I statements, right? I feel blankety blank. Okay, at least you're taking ownership of your feelings. But um, a, lot of, like, a lot of people, and I'm one of these people, uh, when I hear someone that I'm in, in any kind of relationship with say, I feel blankety blank, I immediately hear responsibility. I'm um, like, oh, it's my fault that they feel like that, right? They don't yeah, have to even say too. you make me feel blank. They can just say, yeah. I feel depressed. And I'm immediately like, fuck, how did I make you depressed? It's like, it's all about me, all about me being the cause. It's always my fault. Um, and that's not a good dynamic either. You got to like learn, no. and it's, I'm struggling with it, but you got to learn to like take a deep breath and go, like, okay, you're feeling that way. It might not be my fault entirely. Like maybe we just need to talk about how you're feeling and like, and deal with it. Sometimes I play a contributory role, but it's not my responsibility completely. It's not my fault. Right.
1: Um, I've seen that happen in relationships before and I've also experienced it in a relationship where it's, it's interesting because you sometimes, uh, you might be having a feeling. I'm thinking of a, a friend who we were talking about some relationship stuff recently and You might be having a feel, like, I feel this way. I feel, uh, like, I feel jealous over your interactions with that person or whatever. But you have to learn how to explain your feelings of jealousy without putting guilt on the person. Because you ultimately want them to, if it's your loved one, your spouse, whatever, you want them to be able to help you with that feeling and help you work through it. And if they're a person like you who's prone to hear responsibility, even when it's not there, you might have to explicitly say, I'm not saying it's anything you're doing wrong. I'm just saying, I feel this. Right. Can we talk about it and work through it or whatever? Right. But.
0: Yeah. And, and people and some people at am notice are saying it's kind of a guy thing. I think that's generally true from my experience. Um, I was definitely, I don't, I'm not going to say where there's genetic or environment, but I will, I, I can point to part of my environment that would, uh encourage that kind of thinking, I grew up with two sisters, and um I was taught that any female in the house who was upset was my fault, like your sister's upset, your fault didn't matter. I could not be in the room, I could have nothing to do with it whatever i like whatever it doesn't matter, my fault um and i think I think a lot of guys are raised that way i don 't know if there's something also biologically innate about wanting to be responsible for the happiness of females generally. I'm not sure. I'm on, I don't know, but, uh, that's definitely, I think that's a common experience for a lot of guys. So it's not, someone just said, you just described my husband and I'm like, yeah, like, I don't think that's unusual for guys to feel that way. Um, and, uh, it doesn't come from, (laughs) it doesn't come from like narcissism or anything else. It comes from like, it actually, it's a, it's a form of self Abnegation. It's like, it's it's feeling guilt that you don't, uh, you know that it's. I don't think a lot of guys
1: yours. are. I don't think a lot of guys are raised that way. I mean, maybe, oh, I don't know I, if they're maybe raised maybe. that way,
0: but I think a lot of guys do f- have that feeling of like, oh, especially someone close, a female close to them, like, oh, it's my fault. Right? Maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I've I've, I've heard other guys say it. I just I was just responding to a couple of people in chat said it was a guy thing. So maybe somebody, not. Maybe it's just me. Said, I don't
1: know. Somebody said, well, you probably did something.
0: all right I will want to hear I never share personal stories Do you want to hear a personal story yeah
1: yeah that's a Uh, joke by the way
0: I know I know but I'm gonna share this because uh my (laughs) relationship with both my parents and my sisters changed one day uh and uh I'm not necessarily proud of this story so this isn't I'm not bragging I'm you know a little bit ashamed of it but uh I was I was downstairs with my sister who was a little bit younger than me And she had a penchant for just getting me in trouble because she had figured out early if she just blamed me for whatever. Like crying, she's crying, well, she could just say whatever. And there was never any questions asked. It was just immediately my fault. So um, she screamed. She just started screaming and crying. We were playing not even like with each other, just in the same room. (laughs) She just started screaming and crying and yelling that I had hit her Um, because she was mad at me for something. I don't know. And I could hear my dad storming down the stairs. I'm like, God damn it, I'm I'm in trouble. Like, there's nothing I can do. There's no no null hypothesis, right? There's no arguing out of like, I didn't hit her, blah, blah, blah. She's always right. Um, So I realized in that moment, I ought to have the satisfaction of at least hitting her. So I did. (laughs) And uh, our relationship changed after that pretty significantly. And it took... When she was like an adult, she ended up apologizing to me for, like, you know, I lied about you my entire childhood just to get you in trouble. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and I hit you that one time because I was going to get in trouble for it anyway. And I was really angry at you. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. You don't, we talked about unearned guilt last time. Uh, it's tough to, to correctly attribute guilt that you deserve and things that you're responsible for and then not take on burdens that you're not responsible for. And so we're talking about kind of the same thing where it's like, you are responsible for your feelings. You're not responsible for other people's feelings. You are responsible for your behavior, but they're responsible for the feelings that they have about your behavior. Like it's a, it's a tough line to watch walk and it's easy. It's very easy and lazy to just be like, you're, you're, it's your fault for everything. Uh, all my feelings are your fault. Or it's yeah. also easy to do the other way. All your feelings are my fault. Well, well, that's disempowering. Then you have no agency, and like suddenly everything is my fault. Well, that's not fair to you either. Um, so, I don't know. Thank you for bringing that up. That was good. <laughs> Ninja Kitty said I punished it forward. I did. I uh, I punished it. That wasn't a that wasn't a phrase at the time, but I, I did punish it forward.
2: <sighs>
0: I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, someone, sometimes violence is the answer. Yeah, it wasn't very nappy. It wasn't, wasn't very non-aggression principle of me. <laughs> uh. But I don't know. You could argue it was self-defense because she was knowingly using a uh, someone violent to inflict harm. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, that might be a harder argument to make. I'm just saying. That's
1: a hard sell. But yeah.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Carrie, uh, can we? Well, this is this is a small thing, but and I wasn't even sure I want to talk about it. But can I, because of everything we're talking about, can I mention this yeah. this one thing? My sometimes I'm so disconnected from mainstream that I don't get when things are satire. And my friend sent me this, uh, and I'm going to show you this. This is a Facebook. She didn't send me this whole Facebook page. She just sent me this post. And there's this picture that says amazing things happen when men support each other, and there's a pair of shoes, right? And my immediate reaction was, yeah, I've been thinking about starting like a men's support group. Like I was like, I totally bought into like, that's true. Guys, amazing things do happen when guys support each other. We really need some like more guy time. Guy time is very valuable. Women have women time a lot, there's no guy time. (laughs) And then I realized (laughs) after I looked at the page, Actually, this is a satire site <laughs> trying to show you what it's like to see to what it's like to be a woman uh, in the world. I'm supposed to react to this. I'm supposed to be offended because I guess women are offended if you say amazing things happen when women support each other, other women, I don't know, but that's supposed to be an offensive thing to me. And there's all these things what? like uh, not just a pretty beard. Right, and I'm supposed to be offended by that, but I look at that shirt and I'm like, ah, oh, I might wear that shirt. Like, if I could grow a beard, uh, I, <laughs> I might wear the shirt. But this whole this whole satire is all about, hey guys, uh, this is what it would be like to be a woman and have to deal with all the things that women are told. And there are look, there are some misogynist things women are told, but I, to me, the whole thing just backfires because I look at this stuff and I think. I wouldn't be offended if you told me I I was not just a pretty beard like that. That wouldn't bother me so much that I had to make a satirical website about it for you to feel like what I feel, Uh, which kind of categorizes you as very sensitive, which is the stereotype that supposedly feminists are trying to overcome. Um, So,
1: yeah, this is my issue with with satire. Well, and with sarcasm. So sarcasm is, I think, best used sparingly and when it is the when it is the best tool for the job not when it's the easiest tool for the job when it's the best tool for the job because things are we're we're living in an upside down world so it's if if you spend a lot of time saying things you don't mean because the cheap way of doing satire is to just say the opposite of what you mean well it's not that different than orwellian speak you're saying things uh, by the you way, don't you're mean. right. I
0: think it's sarcasm, technically, not satire. I, I think I'm yeah, it's I am Yeah, sarcasm. Think you're right. That's sarcasm, which is what you. Say. Yeah,
1: and so. Yeah. So just to be, just to say things that are the opposite of what you believe, it's very Orwellian. Why would you put that out into the world? I think sarcasm is best when it's used. Well, like I said, sparingly, and when it is very, very cutting, and it's the, it's the best tool now not just because it's the easiest tool people abuse it we i'm guilty of this too that's why i've tried to stop using it so much because it becomes an easy crutch and there's nothing worse than when you're in a conversation with someone you're trying to have a dialogue with someone and instead of replying to you with what they actually think they say a bunch of things they don't think like um oh well i guess we should just you know kill all illegal immigrants huh and we should just uh you know, blah, blah, blah. They'll say things they don't. I'm like, what are you even doing? Do you think I believe that? Like, why would you say that? That's so weird. So I usually, when people use sarcasm lazily, I just take them at face value. Like you did by mistake with that. Yeah. So if they're like, (laughs) when they say like, oh, I guess we should just kill all illegal immigrants or or something. I'm like, wow, that's really awful. Why would you believe that? And then they spend, then they have to spend time explaining, no, I don't really believe that. I, I was trying to say it It's like, well, then why would you say it? That's awful. <laughs>
0: like, I like that you just took him at face value. Really? Wow, that's a horrible thing.
1: <laughs> we all need to be in a place where if you're living in an Orwellian world like we are, where up is down, down is up, and people are pushing untruths all the time, I think to find firm grounding, you need to spend as much time as you can saying things that you believe to be true and being very clear about what you believe. And that's actually more cutting than saying something you don't believe to be true, and and thinking that that's enough. That's like it's like a lazy way of arguing sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, I think you're right. So, (sighs) I just wanted to share. I yeah, do, I do want to start a men's group at some point in my life. When yeah, we're about you to get it together, you because, should
1: take that site at face value and you should write back. That's awesome! What a great suggestion! I'm going to start a men's group.
0: Well, I mean, I did. <laughs> I did tell my friend that. Uh, <laughs> I and I don't know if, if she was sharing it with me because she thought it was ridiculous. Also, like, I'm not sure exactly why, but she, I did say, "Oh, I was actually thinking of starting a men's group." Um, you know, it's got to be. You know, anyway, I won't talk about men's groups, but. Let's or do if some they, super say, chats. If,
1: they, if somebody's sarcastic to you and they're like, uh, I don't know, if they were like, oh, I guess you're just the smartest person in the room, huh? And you're like, wow, that's really kind of you. I oh, don't think thanks. I am, but thank you. <laughs> wow.
0: I don't hear that often.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Let, let's do some super chats. Oh, by the way, about vocabulary... One thing I I will say, some of these, uh, some of the bad, like the architects of bad philosophy, man, are they? Do they have a mastery of the English language? It is impressive. They they use vocabulary words that I'm like, ooh, I got to look that one up. There, it's there's a there's a silver lining to have to read crap, and that's one of them. Is like, oh, I'm learning vocabulary words. Granted, I'm learning them from Darth Vader, but you know, I'm learning them. So, all right. Ninja Kitty. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh. I
1: just thought of a good example. I have okay. to give this one because this is a funny yeah, yeah. one. And I was trying to think of a, re- I couldn't think of a real life example before, but this was a good one. Okay. If Laura is in chat, she'll remember this. There was a guy who, I, I, I shared something. It, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, the pandemic. I shared something about uh, masks, about not, you know, about, not masks. It was about forcing businesses to close oh. and how mm-hmm. I felt it was unconstitutional. It and is. to not allow people to go to work. Yeah. Right. And this guy, posted, <laughs> this guy posted in sarcasm, he said, um, I want to be able to marry my sister. I don't know why I shouldn't be. Why should it be illegal? It's my freedom and my right to marry my sister. And, I, and so I just took him at his word and was like, dude, I don't know why you're sharing this, but that's pretty gross. And then, and then he went on wow. for like two days. What's or your sister? Like? He kept trying to explain. He was like, "No, I don't want to marry my sister." I was trying to say, "I was like, then why did you say that?" I'm just like, "You have some." <laughs> the best part was that he, I just kept, and he he didn't get that I was at this point. I'm just playing with him, but he didn't get it. He kept trying to overlay. I was like, "Gosh, you just keep coming back here to adamantly insist that you don't want to marry your sister." I think there's something there. <laughs>
0: like, Whoa. Someone's denying their, their attraction towards their sister a little too much.
1: Right. <laughs> just take them at the word. Take them at the word when people use it lazily. So uh,
0: That's a great example, Gary. That's a great example. Yeah. All right, Um. right. Let's do some super just Ninja Kitty is throwing two books out saying, Carrie Curl's blogs and support for parents of SJW. I think we talked about that, but I don't know what the status of anything is.
1: Thank but, you, Ninja. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're – thing we would like to do.
0: It's, it's, on a, it's on a long list of things that we would do if we had infinite resources. Uh, Chip Joyce. Thank you, Chip. Chip gives us 20 bucks and says, women's groups just announced that we're not allowed to criticize Biden's VP pick. Wait, did he pick VP yet? I don't think he did, right? They're just preemptively That's saying we heard. can't.
1: Last I heard, it was between Kamala Harris and Susan Rice. I think it'll probably be Susan Rice, but I don't know. Maybe there's an update.
0: Oh. Maybe he's, wa-
1: he's waiting to learn who it is.
0: Susan Rice is going to get herself in trouble with this Russia stuff, but maybe, I don't know, maybe not. Um, Wow. So we're not allowed to criticize? I love when... That's stupid.
1: Sorry. I love when people tell me what I'm not
0: allowed to criticize. It's my favorite thing.
1: These new rules from social justice ideology, these new rules, they're like, oh, you're not, you you can't disagree with or criticize anyone if they're a woman or they're a person of color or they're gay or they're in any marginalized group, unless... They don't speak our ideology, and then we're going to criticize them and call them names and racist and sexist names. You know, they're hypocrites. Look at, look at how they behave. They don't even follow the rules they tell you you're supposed to follow, which their rules are bad. You should never accept that you can't disagree with someone or criticize someone because of their race or sex. It's ridiculous. It's racist and sexist to say that. And, and I, in the social justice world, there were men who used to behave that way with me, like, wouldn't disagree with me because I'm a woman. And therefore I'm, I guess I have to, I'm right. I'm right about my, because you I'm know, a woman. That's so insulting and condescending. I want you to treat me like you're equal, which means respect me enough to let me know when you disagree, not to like I'm some fragile baby. I, you know, I wish like my male white
0: privilege card worked that way. I wish I could just whip it out and be like, you can't disagree with me, white privilege. Doesn't work that way. Uh, Textera, thank you, Textera. I always, I'm always looking up words on Urban Dictionary. I don't feel bad about it. I'm educating myself. Yes, that's great, Textera. Although the fact that you have to find these words on Urban Dictionary indicates what kind of vocabulary you're expanding. It shows us which direction your vocabulary is moving, Textera. So, you know.
1: Thank you, Textera. Just, just throw that out there.
0: Textera, by the way, runs the Unsafe Space Knitters chat group thing uh and i think they actually had a meeting over the weekend so along with
1: along sandy kins
0: okay along with sandy kins which i always forget to say i'm sorry sorry sandy kins uh mana lula gives us five bucks and says thanks ninja kitty Uh, ninja kitty you did something right who knows what all right let's scroll down find some more chats okay 2A self-defense law, second by self-defense law says, I like to surround myself with people who are bigger, brighter, smarter than I ever hoped or will want to be. That is part of the reason why I am listening to you two. Uh, that's a great, that's the right philosophy. I mean, I don't know that we're the right two, but uh, <laughs> I do, I do appreciate the sentiment. I mean, look, in Thank the you. startup I world. It's a compliment. Yeah. And in- you should do that. Yeah, in the startup world, you try and hire people who are experts in fields that you're not around you. Like, that's the that's the goal, because you can't be an expert at everything. You want people who are, are smarter than you. So, um, Well, it
1: goes back to the, um, like, Jordan Peterson wrote about this in 12 Rules for Life. And actually, Mike Sertovich, who's totally different political opinions on some things, he's mm-hmm. more on the right, centrist right. But he also wrote about it in his self-help book, Guerrilla Mindset. It, it, this idea of, like... Mm-hmm. and and they're not the only two people so it's a common wisdom that we should know that's why it's so strange to see people adamantly like adults not following it but yeah you should surround yourself with people who want the best for you i think that's the way peterson put it because yeah. they're going to push you yeah
0: if you, I mean, you start getting healthy. go ahead yeah
1: yeah if you start getting healthy like cernovich talked about like you know if I think I think it was him that talked about if you know he when he started trying to eat more healthily if if you're at the table with friends and family at a restaurant and you order a chicken breast and steamed vegetables and then people start giving you crap for it those people don't want the best for you you the it's it's evidence of the fact that you trying to eat healthy makes them feel bad about what they're eating because they right. they feel bad about what they're eating, they want you to stay where they are, so they don't, so they're not forced to deal with whatever feeling they have about themselves. Yeah. Women are like this a lot. You know, if you I used to work on this uh, this one TV show I was producing. I remember one of the female producers on the show. Whenever we would have like donuts or pizza or something, I was I was eating pretty healthy back then, and I wouldn't have it. I would have the salad that came with the pizza or whatever. It was just my choice. I never said anything about it. It's not like, hey, why aren't you eating salads like me, guys? Like, no, right. I just, I'm just, i just eating my salad quietly. And she would always make a big deal about it. Like, oh, look at Carrie over there. Be good, blah, 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 blah. Like, you have a lot of problems with yourself because you can't <laughs> refrain from commenting on what I'm eating. Like, clearly, you have a problem with what you're eating. So
0: Absolutely. just recognize
1: those people that even they could be family members and they may not want the best for you.
0: Yeah, and and I know I think you are right. I think Cernovich did talk about this and it uh obviously he's not the only one to have spoken about it. He's he, he but he did. You are a you need to rid I mean, Jordan Peterson calls it burning the dead wood. These are not new ideas. You need to rid yourself of people in your life that whenever you try and make a positive change are counterweights. Um and uh they're not your friends. I mean, you might feel friendly towards them, but uh they're not helping you be be the best person you could be so
1: the best version of yourself
0: yeah right right all right let's uh by the way someone in chat says i should review iron john i did read iron john it's been a while ago uh maybe i should reread iron john i've got a bunch of it, it's a iron john a book about men it's called um all right keith the hat guy keith the hat guy I'll-
1: and he you says if you one? listen, sometimes people tell you the truth. If someone says they feel dumb and that it's my fault, it might be because they are dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Keith, that reminds me of something we've talked about before too. A lot of times people tell you the truth right when they meet when right when you meet them and yeah. you're just not listening. And again, that happens a lot. I like to use romantic relationships because those are the ones that fall apart usually most dramatically. And are like most devastating, so people evaluate them. Uh, do they do post mortems on them a little bit more thoroughly than they do other mm-hmm. other relationships generally? But a lot of times, if you're honest and you look back, like one of my one of my the lines that I hate the least or hate the most is when and when someone's like, I'll just use a, a woman saying it as an example, but it could go either way. He changed. He was nice when we started, and then he became a monster. No. No, he didn't. He was always a monster, and you overlooked the red flags that he was a monster at the beginning. At 99.9 to 1, that's what happened. It can happen. I mean, maybe he had a brain tumor or he got into an accident and massively shifted his personality, but uh, typically people don't... They don't undergo that radical of a transformation. So a lot of people are like, oh, he he was great. I, I didn't know. And then you talk about all the things that led up to the relationship in the first place. And it's like, in retrospect, you're like, well, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. He said this, but like, mm, I don't know. I think you just weren't listening. I think your hormones were in control. So, uh, <sighs> happens. Okay. <laughs> tax Tara. has nothing to say about <laughs> tax Tara. Uh, Tax-terra. I'm the oldest. Everything <laughs> is my fault. I was the old, I am the oldest as well. I don't know if maybe that's an oldest sibling thing. I don't know, text her. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. It could be.
1: I was, I'm the oldest, but I don't.
0: I think in my house, it was definitely <laughs> fell along gender lines in s- some way, explicitly. But uh, maybe it's also just like an oldest sibling thing. I don't know. You want to do the next Formerly one, Formerly
1: Rodline, thank you, says, I found out me and white supremacy by Layla F. SAD Syed, Syed and White Fragility are on Illinois' upcoming required reading list. How do I fight this? Well, is this in your uh, required reading list it's in Illinois? Do you mean for your children in school or is it for a job? Or, or if, if it's for your kids' school, um, I would get involved in the school board. Like, get on the board or at least go to the meetings. Write letters. We. I just wrote a letter this morning to my county commissioner's office about a vote they're having tomorrow. Carter and I have talked about this before. We talked about it with James Lindsay. A lot of people with authoritarian tendencies, those people who want to control other people, those people who seek power, they they are on all the boards and committees because that's the way they get to – that's a way that they get power and they get to try and exercise their power. And for, for people like us, it's not as natural – of a tendency for us to want. it doesn't sound appealing at all to be on the school board.
0: Right. Who right? says I want power so I can not <laughs> yeah. wield it. Right. Like that's not, that's not a thing usually. But
1: we have to get past that that thing where it doesn't come naturally and start doing it, start showing up, get on the boards, volunteer for the committees. You know, go and push back officially in that capacity. And so I would file an official complaint with my if it's the school. I'm not sure who this is, but if it's your kid's school district, um, write letters to the editor of the paper. Write about why this book is harmful. Find people um, if you don't feel like you're very eloquent about it. Find people whose opinion you agree with and look at how they argue against it and and. You know, look at their words and what their points are, and write something in your own words that's based on what the arguments they make. If you don't feel like you can make good arguments against it, go find someone. But write letters to your paper, go to the school board, file an official complaint, stand up there during your three minutes or whatever it is, and read your complaint about it. And then, ultimately, I mean, Carter and I advocate homeschooling a lot, and I was Carter say, homeschools. But that's
0: not that tired. is a way to fight it in the long term. But I think Carrie's answer right. is correct for fighting it. Protecting your kids, my answer is kind of trite. Get them the hell out of school. Uh, But for fighting it, I mean, I I think you're right, Carrie. And if you're not...
1: Or you could go hardcore and say, my kid's not reading that book and will not be attending on those days.
0: You could try that. Absolutely. That would be good. Um, If you're not... If you don't like public speaking and you're not eloquent and you don't feel comfortable doing a lot of that stuff write it down like write because writing is easier i mean a lot of people find writing more difficult but you can have friends and family edit and proofread and get it to be the way that you want so that you present your ideas as clearly and and eloquently as possible and then if you go to a meeting or something just read read a prepared statement if you're nervous about um having to on the fly or you know argue something or make extemporaneous uh comments so um
1: or yeah. send it in. Sometimes they have to read the submitted depending on what the committee is or the council or whatever. Like um, my we, city council will read your comments. Right. And
0: right. They won't read them well you. as we noticed when Carrie wrote comments. Yeah. But they'll read them. They'll uh, read them. They'll be read. Um,
1: and, I, and I but I, I think yeah I think making it being that person who moves past your fear and speaks out against it, you're going to get flack. You're going to be called names, you know, but you're going to find people will come to you and, and confess to you that they agree with you and that you've inspired them. You will inspire other people. There's this whole silent majority we talk about. There's all these people who are cowed by and afraid of this belief system and afraid of speaking against it. And, and you will be surprised by how many people support you if you, if you were the one who demonstrates courage and how to how to move past whatever fear you have because you'll inspire others and then they'll start speaking some of them not all some will, some will say fearful and quiet but they'll give you private support but still you're you're then being you're an example for them then you know
0: carrie i know you've talked about the threshold theory for for mobs before um, which is a negative oh, description of this, yeah. but it's true for the positive as well. So th- the yeah. the threshold theory that, theory that Carrie's talked about is like in any given mob of some size, there's uh, some number of people, let's just say, uh, you know, there's some number of people who will, if no one else is throwing a rock, they'll throw a rock. But that number is very small. Maybe one person in the crowd, right? Not many people. Most people are not going to throw a rock or do anything. But maybe one person, one or two crazy people might be willing to do it. But... There are more people who, if they see one other person do it, they will do it. And then there's more people who, if they see a few other people do it, they will do it. And so, and it. that kind of builds up. So you could eventually have an entire mob kind of, with the exception of the people who will never do it, regardless of how many people are throwing rocks. <laughs> you, right. you have an entire group throwing rocks. The same is true for courage in a positive way, right? Yeah. There's, there's like a threshold. Well, I'm not going to speak up and say anything because I'm afraid of getting censored by the uh, school board or have whatever consequences. But if Carrie says it, Oh, well, Carrie stood up and said it, I guess, you know, maybe a few more people will stand up and they'll see that one person. And then a few more people will stand up and like, that's how this happens. But you've got to be the hardest thing to be is the first person. Um, and if what you're doing is supporting, uh, principles that you believe in, uh, dig down deep and be that first person because other people will come along. Um, I mean, unless what you're advocating is so unpopular that, yeah. you know, uh, no one else will come along. But that's not true with this stuff. There's a lot of, there's a silent majority here. There's
1: a here. lot of people who are against this and who are afraid. So,
0: yeah, yeah
1: help them. Yeah. yeah. V Parker says, gives $5. Thank you, V Parker. And mm. says, Carter, that meme goes over my head and I'm a woman. She's talking about the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the sarcastic men's Good. Thank fund. you, yeah. V. <laughs> it went over my head, too. Uh, I, I, I mean, I miss the sarcasm. Uh, B- Bache D I might be saying that wrong, but $5. Thank you. Satire may be dead. The left completely went off the deep end, killing it. Great content. Thank you. Yeah. Look, we're in a place where it's hard to tell what's satirical anymore or what's sarcastic because doubt is up, up is down. The things that you used to think would never be said and put forward in seriousness are now being put forward in seriousness. And so, you know, when you have articles being penned every day, by um social justice activists who work in the media about how sleep is racist and um hiking is racist and um you know everything is sexist. everything except for it, social justice it, right everything <laughs> except for their racism and sexism it gets you're in we're in a pretty laughable place now
0: yep <laughs> why bother you want to do why bothers chat
1: uh, yeah, sure. Let's see. Why bother? Thank you. Why bother? Says, uh, their humor misses the point. I used to be a bearded metalhead with a mane long enough to reach elbows. I could totally relate to that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, they, they miss the point. They're assuming that everyone should be offended by that. And it's like, no. Right.
0: They're assuming because of they're offended not. by that kind of language. Right. You will be offended by that kind of language. When in actuality, maybe you should just not be offended by that language.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dancing with consciousness. Thank you. Dancing with consciousness gives us 499 says uh, SJWs claim that treating people as individuals is quote white culture, end quote. They're saying that black people don't want to be treated as individuals and stereotyped instead. Yes, that is what they're saying. They are Mm -hmm. saying that, um, that they're saying that all black people have the same opinion and that that opinion is social justice ideology. They all have the same ideology. And what's insane about that is obviously if, you know, any
0: black people, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that's
1: not true. I think a lot of the people, but they have
0: internalized stuff, whiteness. The black people who don't agree with them they attack have them. internalized yeah, yeah. whiteness. Right.
1: They attack them. Yeah. But and we've talked about this before. I think they do a lot of, they definitely do a lot of projection. And so a lot of the white people who push social justice ideology, I think they really do have racist beliefs and they really probably don't know a lot of people other than white people. And they fall for all – they're like, oh, this ideology says all black people agree with this belief system and they all have the same opinions. I mean, Carrie, and, you just need to look at the
0: demographics for where some of this place. Yeah. Like Berkeley is where a lot of this comes from. Not a huge yeah. black population, mostly rich white liberals. Berkeley's very expensive. Uh, the
1: loudest SJWs you know, I know are very wealthy very comfortable glendale highly (laughs) highly educated white women right
2: yeah
1: (sighs) (laughs) who don't have a lot of friends who are not that same demographic um thank you for that uh let's see 35 dollars wow thank you christine clement thank Thank you for your amazing commentary love your show well we love you thank you for the thanks thanks for being in the chat uh, I don't see the next one.
0: Blackbeard. Blackbeard says, "Thank you, Blackbeard." He gives us five bucks and says, "Carter, of course they have great vocabularies. When you're selling crap, better make it as shiny as possible." <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I I think that is brilliant. But nevertheless, I can learn some great shining techniques. I guess is my point. Uh, maybe I can shine gold instead of crap. Is that that will be the goal? But yeah.
1: Uh. By the way, speaking of vocabularies, I, I I just come back to this this story about the preacher again. I was my mind usually goes to uh, comedy sketches. I don't know. I just like a sketch will just play out in my mind and and make me laugh. And a, as they were telling me about this preacher and how the he he kept being pulled into these meetings to talk about how he his big words made you know someone feel dumb or whatever. I was like, did he ever? do a, do you ever go in and do a funny sermon where he's like Jesus make me feel good in my tum tum like do you ever go in and do it? <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> sorry, <laughs>
2: sorry. <sighs> like i see that
1: whole sketch in my mind
0: I, that line is the best line, Carrie. I don't know why that's so funny to me. Uh, you know what I want to do when we have an unsafe space, actual like real life get together. We, I feel like we should watch *Idiocracy* because yeah. it's, uh, it's it's just a documentary. I feel like in i think in *Idiocracy*, they claim they were like mad at him for using big words, but they were words that yeah. had like two syllables, right? Or it was not weren't huge words, right? All right, Mandy. Mandy gives us ten bucks. Thank you, Mandy, and says the only regret, my only regret, is being a total snot brat before my mother passed away. When she died, I instantly grew up and carried the sadness and anger at myself every day of my life. It actually drives me. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing, Mandy.
1: Uh, we all carry. Yeah. I mean, I think,
0: I think we all carry stuff like that from. Of course we do
1: childhood and regrets and um, regrets over bad behavior or mistakes we made. And, but I think sometimes you, you, there's a positive way of letting it drive you so that you don't behave like that again, but there's also a negative. You don't want to fall into just like self-loathing or let that, let that become your identity is like, that's what you do. And that's how you treat people. Like, don't. Because then you're carrying around this, this loathing that can just it it just intensifies itself. It it just you then you seek out more pain like that and you seek out more situations like that and you it drives bad behavior and bad habits. So um, if it's gonna drive you, let it drive you. Hopefully it's driving you in the positive way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do yarn hoarder, or do you want me to do it?
1: Uh, no, you do it. I don't see it.
0: Uh, Yarn Hoarder, thank you Yarn Hoarder Yarn Hoarder, aka Fiber Art Freak Sends us five bucks and says Check out Benjamin Boyce video from yesterday Hey teachers, leave them kids alone We pulled my daughter from public school this year for this reason We should check it out um, I haven't seen it But it reminds me of something Alan, the guy who uh, I chatted with on the show that was released yesterday Alan sent me this I have not had time to go through it all But uh, I'll share it with you guys this let's see here hold on for just a second there is an entire google drive of let's see that's that's one document in it but the drive itself he found apparently this is being shared around this is the 2020 curriculum resource guide and this is kind of the it looks like the base document here that talks about what it is the National Black Lives Matter at School Week of Action Starter Kit. <clears throat> and this, I'm, I don't know the extent to which this is being distributed, but my guess is that it's pretty extensive here. I mean, you can see there's a lot of stuff in here. Wow. Early childhood, elementary, general resources, right? Um, my guess wow. is that this will be shared uh, ubiquitously if it's <clears throat> not already being shared ubiquitously. Look at all the people that are in it right now doing something. Wow. So... Um, Yeah, introduction to BLM school week of action, BLM and school week of action demands, 13 guiding principles of BLM, how to talk to young children about BLM guiding principles, teaching materials, sample union endorsements, past BLM and school week of action flyers and pictures, suggestions for how you can join BLM. And so they've got, you know, we we don't have to go through it all right now because I I, I haven't even had time to really go through this, but they've got their list of demands and they've got their guiding principles here. Of course, a lot of them sound good, like empathy, sure, Um, but also things that have nothing to do with black lives, uh, transgender affirming, queer affirming. One thing that's interesting here is collective value. Collective value means that all black lives, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or disbeliefs, immigration status or location... Matter. Notice that collective value, they are being very explicit about their tribalist belief here. All all this tribe matters, right? This is the tribe. We have unity in this tribe and not across tribe boundaries. Um, you know, black families, black villages is an interesting one. The disruption of Western nuclear family dynamics and a return to the collective village that takes care of each other. Black women is the building of women-centered spaces free from sexism, misogyny, and male-centeredness. So, look, I mean, I'm all about, you want to experiment on your own with your own family structures, uh, go right ahead. But I, I think many people in the West don't want the nuclear family disrupted. Uh, we, we think the nuclear family has worked out pretty well. Uh, and actually nuclear, maybe not as much as like extended family, but not the village, not a village. We don't, it doesn't, this dates back to Hillary Clinton, takes a village to raise a child, right? Uh, what really bothers me about this is this village concept is antithetical to the idea that your it's antithetical to the idea of kind of privacy and self ownership. Like your kids are your responsibility, and you should pass on your values to your kids, and you're responsible for them. This collectivizes the raising of children, much like Brave New World does. Um, yeah. This collectivizes the raising of children so that community values can be trans uh, can be uh, uh, plant implanted within them, rather than your personal values. And of course, if you control the communities, which is clearly their goal and they have some success at it already, then you control the values that are implanted in, in these kids. Anyway, I, I will go – we'll go through this more later. I just received this right before the show, so um, I haven't really gone through it. But I this is not – the reason I'm bringing it up is, is to just assure you that wherever you – assure isn't really the right word – warn you that no matter where you are in the world uh, or at least in the United States – you are not escaping this agenda. This agenda is um, this agenda is everywhere, and it, they are pushing it everywhere. And they're not going to stop pushing this. And it's not like you need to have experts. It's not like you need to have experts in your town that understand this. You don't need to have your own Robin D'Angelo for this to uh, be a problem in your town. There, this is a cheat sheet for people who just don't understand it and wanna implement something uh, like your school board, like your teachers, people who maybe have heard of Robin D'Angelo for the first time in the last few months and uh, and have j- are just learning about this, they're gonna take this, um, you know, this is just like with reporters. So something I learned a long time ago with reporters, which uh, the CIA learned uh, way before I did, is reporters are lazy, they don't wanna do anything. So uh, if you write their article for them, they'll mostly just take it and change a few words and take credit because that's easier. Well. Everyone's kind of that way. If you give teachers curriculum and you tell them this is how to be virtuous, this is how to be a good teacher, just implement this curriculum, it's a nice, lazy, thoughtless approach and you can pat yourself on the back and feel like you're being progressive and doing something good and implement this curriculum because it's no longer, you've abdicated the responsibility for actually deciding what the curriculum is, what it means, what effect it has on children. Um, You just outsourced your job to Black Lives Matter, which is exactly what is happening. Carrie's back. She took a quick break.
1: You've tried. just, yeah, you've just outsourced your job to a radical, evil ideology.
0: hmm. And, yeah, avowed Marxists, <laughs> if for those who have missed the note about, on BLM, they are avowed yeah,
1: Marxists. Marxists. Yeah. It's the same thing with the destruction of all the statues and everything that's happening. It's like, look, your stated intent, <laughs> saying that you have a good intent, right? Like, oh, this this, uh, literature is meant to, the intention is to end racism. Well, that's not enough. You have to look at what the material is. You have to look and see if you agree that it actually does that.
0: (laughs) Look, as an atheist, I'll say this. Your intent is an issue between you and God. Your actions are an issue between you and everyone else. I don't give a crap what your intent is. I care what you do. Your intent is that you can have that conversation with whoever's judging you at the end of your life or whatever. That's an issue for either your own heart or your relationship with a higher deity, if that's what you believe in. It is, I don't give a crap what your intentions are. I care what you do. And you are in, when you're indoctr- indoctrinating kids in racist ideology, I don't care if it's because you're lazy, you're literally a Nazi, you're racist, you mean well. It doesn't matter to me. What you're doing is horrible. And maybe it it matters tactically how I approach you, but it doesn't matter in terms of how I judge your behavior. And we really need to fight this very seriously. And maybe the right way to fight it isn't to yell at them for being racist. Maybe the right way to fight it is, is like Carrie often says, you know, approach them more kindly and explain that what they're doing actually doesn't meet their good intentions. Like, I'm, not, I'm all about that. I get that. But uh, there, it's important to have a strong moral compass when it comes to this stuff and understand that the person you're interacting with is propagating utter evil. That's what they're, they're an implement of evil. That's what they're doing. So I don't know what the right tactical way to approach them is and, and to get things to change all the time, but you need to, you won't win if you forget that very basic thing and you start excusing their behavior. Um, because, uh, they don't excuse yours, right? If you fall outside of their ideology, there's no excuse for you. Um, you can't, You can't excuse bad behavior because of good intentions. (sighs) Sorry for that rant. Formerly, Rod (laughs) Lyons says, the required reading is for K through 12. My biggest fear is if I make waves, they will take it out of my child. So, okay. So you were talking about education when you mentioned that earlier, and you're worried about them taking it out on your child. You know, uh, I relate to this. Uh, So my, just to... Again, this is like a day of personal information for me. So my, my daughter was homeschooled, partly slash mostly, uh, through a negotiation with her mother. Uh, she is going to try a particular private school this year, and then if it doesn't work, go back to homeschool. Um, and so I kind of lost, I guess, lost that battle in that sense. And, um, but there's been, so, so I'm like now kind of active, and she hasn't started going to this new school yet, and I'm kind of active in, in, paying attention to what the school's doing and i am strongly considering volunteering for that diversity equity and inclusion crap that seems to be emails are coming along right and but but i had the similar conversation with my ex-wife about this which is um i don't i don't want it to make waves right i don't i don't, I, I do want to make waves i don't want it to affect my daughter um but she's been pretty cool about it and she was like yeah whatever so uh I don't know I I get I get that you don't want it to affect your child but here's the thing um and this this is how I'm thinking about it right now and and you know my thoughts aren't complete here so please don't say this is you know this is uh, my thoughts aren't done right but uh look if my daughter learns the lesson that speaking the truth gets the entire institution to treat her like crap and scapegoat her, that her dad speaking the truth force- makes them behave in a way that's dishonorable towards her and vile to- towards her. I think the ideology loses in that case. I think she comes out of that experience, granted, with some bad experiences, but with a lesson that is these people can't be trusted, they're not good people, and they're not acting in good faith, and they're going to take out my father's rational disagreement with them on me, I, you know, I think that's, and by the way, it also provides more evidence that we should just pull her out of school, which is what I'm generally advocating for anyway. So, um, you know, I, might it cause waves? Might it cause a problem? Yeah, but I'm not sure it will cause problems in the way that you think. It it might actually be good for your child to see that you fight that battle. You stand up for what you believe in. You stand up for what's right. And to see what the other side does to people who stand up for what's right, um, And what
1: kind of long-term effects does it have on your child to have to go through this indoctrination without any resistance from their parent?
0: Right. Right. Um, so, you know, it, there's going to be cost. Everything has cost benefit analysis, right? I know that, I know that in the COVA COVA, the COVID year, we forget that everything has cost-benefit analysis, and we're instead told everything's black and white. If you wear a mask, you are a saint, and if you don't wear a mask, you want to kill grandma, and like everything's very black and white, but that's not true. Everything is cost-benefit analysis. Everything has pluses and minuses. There are costs to speaking up, but uh, there are long-term benefits um, that I think accrue to your child's psychology. Uh, Henry. <clears throat> Henry gives us four ninety-nine. dollars says, oops, I just made Henry small. How did I do that? Cool. Henry, Henry gives us four ninety nine. This is a new episode of Coffee Break. What a great birthday gift. It's my 29th birthday, the sequel. <laughs> I love you guys. Keep on fighting. This is The Great Awakening. Well, happy 29th birthday the second time, Henry.
1: Yeah, I hope all of your 29th
0: birthday birthdays again. are as uh, <laughs> as great as this you one. Just
1: had a, you just had a birthday weekend that's continuing. I like it.
0: <laughs> well, uh, I, you know what? Uh, Being in your 30s, I don't know what you think, Carrie. My 30s were my favorite decade. I was old enough that I wasn't as much of an idiot as I was in my 20s, but I was still, my body was young enough that I wasn't, like, falling over with a bad back and things falling apart and my metabolism was still a little bit high. I loved my 30s, so I would embrace your 30s, dude. But, you know, maybe when I'm 60, my, 30s, I'll say, I loved my 40s, so who knows? <laughs>
1: well, my I would say my 30s were my favorite until I hit my 40s, and now they're my favorite, but I've
0: only had Look at that attitude. one of them. You go, so Carrie. That's, that's an It'll attitude. You
1: don't go downhill. here. I'm only 41. Okay, Meigs. People keep saying homeschool, but it's also education to learn to take readings, tear them apart, and throw it back at people politely, of course. That's true. I also have friends who um, spend a lot of time deprogramming their kids at the end of the school day and finding, finding out about what they were taught and then helping them figure out what they think about it. Carter does some of that as well. So you can you can use this indoctrination to, as a jumping-off point to help your kids learn how to recognize it for what it is and help them think critically about it and help them form their own opinions about it.
0: Yeah, you know? I, I don't disagree that it can be educational to take readings, tear them apart, and throw them back at people. Um, but I would argue that that's not, I, that's not the optimal educational experience, right? You know, you could make that argument is kind of a slippery slope, but you, you can make the same argument like, well, I should they should join the Hitler Youth so that they can learn how to dismantle it. I'm like, well, uh, I guess you could have a little spy in the Hitler Youth and every night at home undo the indoctrination. But, you, you know, don't don't play Russian roulette with your child's brain. Um, your child is not a, you know, brains. The female brain, I believe, is done developing about a year earlier roughly than, than men, but we're talking somewhere around 25, 26 is when brain development is over. Uh, if you've got a grade school kid, they are not as smart as they might seem, and I know you know, especially watching your kids grow up, sometimes you're like, wow, they're sharp as, sharp as a whip and they're great. That's all true, but they're also very vulnerable to um, restructuring and the way that they think and um, it's not just that, it's not just that they're in a school that teaches bad material. Um, everything about the environment is set up uh, to indoctrinate. the the way that the way that kids are managed, the way that social situations are managed, the rules, the way that the rules are enforced, the attitudes of the teachers, like everything that the school is every, the school is set up to create little social justice warriors. And so, um, I I wouldn't flippantly say, well, it's education i I think I don't personally think he's
1: flippantly saying it
0: well i'm I'm not saying she was flippantly yeah. saying it, but i I think personally you would be better off literally having them do nothing, and if you want to have them read some stuff, give them some books to read if if the education they're getting out of this is that they get to criticize bad philosophy um which is kind of above their heads anyway at this point, then um you know I mean they haven't even learned basic. They haven't even learned good philosophy. They haven't learned basic logic, basic critical thinking. It's it's hard to like tear social justice apart when you don't have a foundation in Aristotle, right? So like, there's there's some there's some stuff that needs to there's some there's some tools that need to be um, cultivated and they in your are teaching this first. at
1: a younger and younger age. They're programming That's
0: right. this. That's right. So I, you know, I would just be a little bit careful with with that. Don't think that it's it's trivial to undo it, and that there's and don't delude yourself into thinking it's still a positive experience. Um, it's not on the whole. It's not a positive experience. It's not a good thing to do. Um, so, I know maybe parents will disagree, but that's because you feel like you can't homeschool, which I understand. But uh, all right, Roderick, Roderick gives us two bucks saying. Do you get Anna Breeze in the USA? I have no idea who that is. Carrie, do you know who that is?
1: Okay, Anna Breeze. I just looked her up because the name is familiar. She's a um, She teaches mobile journalism, and she okay. came, supposedly she came up with the term new media. I don't know a lot about her. I know I've heard her name before, but thank you for that suggestion. I will look more right, into her. We'll check her out. Anna Breeze. Um, let's see. Richard Pets. I like your Siamese cat photo. He says, "Good to see that you've cheered up Carter."
0: <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> all my all my pain went to my lower back and out of my brain. So <laughs> there we go. It is. What Sarah
1: Beth crafts. Thank you, Sarah Beth. She says, "Jesus makes me feel good, and my tum tum <laughs> totally needs to be on a shirt."
0: <laughs> I feel like there needs to be an icon <laughs> with that, like a face. The face to go
1: with that. Uh. It still makes me laugh.
0: (laughs) Uh. (laughs) You want to do Kent?
1: Uh, Kent. Thank you, Kent. Kent says, a good practice is to always end phone calls with people you love by telling them that you love them. It protects you from the trap of leaving things unsaid. Yes, I like that.
0: It's a great practice. And it reminds me of um, not the same practice, but a, a practice that I like and don't do as much as I should, but I, I do do it more often now that I know about it. Um, the uh, the Stoics did this. Uh, the ancient Stoics, a lot of people think of Stoicism as like, you know, just being a rock and never having any emotions, but that's not what ancient Stoicism was. One of the practices that ancient Stoics uh, did, which I find quite helpful, is it's counterintuitive. Um, they would daily, I, I, I tend to do this at at night, before I go to sleep, they would daily contemplate losing everything that they loved, one by one. My wife is like, I lost my wife, I lost my child, I lost my, whatever it is. Um, They would contemplate these really horrible things, not to dwell on these horrible things, but just like taking a moment to imagine a world where that happened. um, I find really, inspires a lot of gratefulness and love and appreciation for their existence now right and so you 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 look at your 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 wife or your child and and you are very grateful for them and you're very appreciative to them and you you it, it really helps you to appreciate the value that they bring to you and it really underscores your love for them just by just by reminding yourself that things things go away things are not permanent this isn't just don't take them it helps you not to take them for granted right we take people <clears> in our lives for granted and uh i find that practice to be uh frankly i don't do it as much as i should but i when i do do it i find it to be um quite quite helpful and uh, emotionally healing and help, makes me a better person i think i think it makes me a better dad
1: um, here's my pet peeve about ending phone calls. Uh Oh. By the way, I agree with what you're saying, and I think prayer does helps with the same thing. If you tr- if you pray at the end of each day, mm. I think it helps you in that same similar way. But um, he said, end each phone call with "I love you" with people you love, and I was just watching because we're reading Atlas Shrugged for book club, and uh, I was watching the three part movie version, which oh is currently
0: God. on. I haven't even seen the three-part movie version.
1: Okay, I saw the first one and I, don't, on, uh, I couldn't
0: watch the rest – or the second one. Or whatever.
1: Amazon. They have a bit of like soap opera level acting going on, but it's still entertaining. But anyway, I noticed they did this in the, in the show and I see this a lot in TVs and film TV, TV shows and film. I hate it when they – for the sake of time or whatever, when they have two characters on the phone with each other, they just hang up on each other. They don't say goodbye. Really bothers me. They do that in that. That show happens all, time. all the
0: time on time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's like, yeah. I can't. I can't. I suddenly I focus on that, and then I, they lose me for the next few minutes. I'm like, okay. They so. Didn't say Goodbye. They just hung up. All
0: right. I have to share with you a nerdy pet peeve of mine that very few people are going to get. I just. Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. You watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, right? No.
1: I've seen some clips. Or okay.
0: Episodes, not really. So they had these little communicators on there, like chest right here and they would to communicate to each other they would say like laforge to bridge or whatever like they would say their name and right and then the conversation would immediately happen which is physically impossible because the computer would need to let them finish saying laforge to bridge first and then <laughs> route figure out who it was and where they were going but you need to let them finish their sentence before you can route the the, the conversation and they would do it all instantaneously and it always really bothered me because like this can't work. It can't possibly, unless he's broadcasting to the entire ship, the Forged to bridge and everyone hears that. And then the captain responds, but they would always have it be like the Forged to bridge. Go ahead. Like right away. I'm like, that can't happen. Um, <laughs> it can't happen. Uh, and it really bothered me.
1: Pet peeves. Um, okay. Something. So important. I'm will horrible
0: hold- to take to the movies. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's do. Will will
1: chart 20 bucks. Thank you, sir. Says with so precious few moments to discuss these issues with my wife. Uh Uh-oh, I just lost his quote.
0: Uh, He says, with so precious few moments to discuss these issues with my wife who is uninitiated and leans toward the SJW, it's hard for me to talk with her and remain calm. Too much to cover, not enough time. Please, Riff.
1: Riff, love. Um, Okay, so, well, first of all, I'm sorry you're going through this. And uh, women tend to be more susceptible to this ideology and there's probably a lot of different reasons why that is but one I think is on average women are higher in agreeableness and I think some women sensitive
0: as well yep
1: right and Mm -hmm. there is you know women also self-report that they prefer working with people and animals to working with things you know they're much more plugged into other people In, on average. Gosh, you know, not every woman. and it's okay. not, it We're going to like stumble
0: that. over uh, prefaces if we keep having to, like, disclaimer ourselves. Right. And, yeah.
1: No, but I'm, I like saying that on average. So people know what I mean. And so anyway, women tend to be more open on average, and they tend to be more plugged into working with people and sensitive to people's feelings. And there's also this phenomenon I think that happens that uh, Camille Paglia has talked about and Jordan Peterson's talked about about this sort of women who are maybe misplacing their desire to nurture and protect children, their biological drive to do that and and sort of placing it on marginalized groups. this ideology plays into their innate desire to protect and so they're being told, you can protect you should protect and you need to protect these vulnerable oppressed people and that, and that appeals to women more so for whatever reason women are more susceptible to it and i think a lot of the men that get pulled into it get pulled into it because of their spouse you know would you would you do you think that's true
0: let me think about it probably probably they get pulled into it because of their spouse some I mean, men there's there's definitely single creepy men who get pulled into it because they're looking for access to sex but um, I guess getting pulled in by your spouse is also looking for access to sex uh, yeah I I don't know um,
1: I think you have to appeal to women the, the reason that this maybe is appealing to if, if, if it's appealing to your your loved one it's because Sometimes it's because your loved one has a big heart, which is a good thing. You have to figure out what's good about it. Like they're being told this is something good, that this is a good ideology and they're they're falling for it because they have a big heart or they have a desire to protect or because they um, wanna be a good person and this offers a way for them to feel like a good person. It tells you this is the way to be a good person So I think you have to start from acknowledging that the reason why it's appealing to them is, is I know we talked about intent before, but because they have good intent. If you can recognize that when when you're having conversations with them, then they're not as likely to become self, like, to become defensive about it. Because you're acknowledging that you, you both have shared goals. Like, look, you and I both agree that sexism is wrong and racism is wrong and we both want to end it. I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's beautiful that you want to do that. But I think your method, I think this belief system is racist and sexist, and here's why I think it is. That's why I can't support it, because I also, like you, I want to end racism and sexism. So I can't support this racist ideology.
0: It's um, You're thinking a lot. I am, because there's also a dynamic between spouses in which, um, Other people can say things that you can't. She won't listen to things that you say sometimes. Um, and you won't listen to things she says sometimes. But if another person said the same thing, you would listen. Right? There's a dynamic that happens between spouses sometimes where uh, it gets difficult to say the thing that, that she would maybe be open to. Um, and likely, she's probably around a lot of people who agree with her about this. And so you're positioning yourself uh, in a way. The threat to her is that she loses a, some social comfort and cohesion by considering these ideas or considering that they could be wrong, um, if that's what you're asking her to do. And that's a threat. Um, and that there's a, there's a pretty strong emotional need to not listen to you um, if it means losing all those connections because the connections are probably very important to her and i think it's probably one of the reasons why women are more susceptible to this is because women are um in general i think more susceptible to um social pressure women are are much less likely to upset like they play a lot of behind the back games with each other but on the surface there's there's social cohesion in a way that Guys, you know, guys can get into literal fistfights and then be fine the next day and go out. Like, that doesn't happen with women as much. And um, I, I think I think it's... I would do... I, I, I don't know. I, there's two things I'm thinking about. One is, could you figure out what her basic motivation is? Is it sexism? Is it racism? Is there, a, is there one or the other that she's particularly attached to, right? And then try and find people in her life... Uh, try and find people that can be in her life who aren't you um that disagree with her but are from the protected class of people. I know that's kind of weird, but like other women who don't agree with the 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 stage of radical feminism that's happening right. or or um or people who would maybe be in some protected class who don't agree, bringing those people into your life um like
1: broaden your circle of friends.
0: Yeah and and try and try and help build a community for her where, where she can go because if she has no place to go if there's no landing what you're asking her to do emotionally is jump out of an airplane without a parachute you need to give her a parachute you need to have like look here's a parachute here's a field of daisies it's going to be a beautiful landing and it's shangri-la over there maybe right there's there's things there um that makes it much easier to jump out of the plane when you when you're telling her that like you need to be on the my the same page as me, and that's going to be forsaking all your friends, and you're going to be left with zero social uh, network. That's that's going to be a hard battle, and I'm I wouldn't be surprised if she chose her social network over you. That that could absolutely happen. Um, so uh, that's all I'm thinking. Those are just raw thoughts. I haven't thought this through, but that those are just my kind of no, raw thoughts. No, I this.
1: think you're right. Yeah, you have to. Broaden the circle of friends that you have. Bring other people with other viewpoints into it.
0: Invite them and over to the that house, means, right?
1: Yeah. Maybe you go to some interesting meetups, like philosophy discussions or whatever. Maybe you um, join a new tr- try out some new churches and meet some new people. Oh, that's a good one.
0: Yeah, if you're religious mm. and go to a church, where there's going to be more people that are bound to see through SJW ideology. So she's got some friends right. she can make there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or just other activity groups and stuff, you know, because you're going to meet
0: yeah. people.
1: But, you know, hang on to those people who are unique individuals and they think for themselves.
0: Yeah. All right. Andrew Joyner.
1: Andrew Joyner. Go thank ahead. you, Andrew. Gives us uh, three pounds. Is that a pound? And it's a pound.
0: And has a little, looks like a little... Uh, a hippo know, character in tactical hip- gear does tactical flanking maneuver. Hand gestures is what the this thing says about I dig it. it. So there you go. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. I feel like there's – I'm I'm way behind on the scroll. I'm sorry, guys.
1: Dancing with Consciousness. Thank you, Dancing with Consciousness. I love your name. Uh, I wonder if you're a part of the group on Twitter that's called um, Dancers Against Woke Ideology maybe. Anyway – Dancing with Consciousness says, I want SJWs to name one non-binary trait. Wait, they can't, because all gender identities are male or female or somewhere in between. They admit that there's two.
0: It's weird, right? Because if there's not two, what are they transitioning to? (laughs) Yeah. And from. What are the
1: non-binary traits? Right. I don't think they, you're right. I don't think they can name any. Uh,
0: You want to do Daniel Harp next, Carrie?
1: You can. Uh, you could make a joke there. That non binary trait is having purple hair, but
0: But Carrie did just not make that joke just now. So But you could. Is that what you're that's saying? Just,
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Daniel Harp, thank you, Daniel says it's I've literally been doing that with my wife for fifteen years now. I love I love you when hanging up. My pet peeve is when someone says sorry for walking by me in the store. I'm like, yeah, you are.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have I was in the habit of saying sorry for things a lot, and it's a tough habit to get out of because there's a lot of situations where you don't know what to say, because um, you're not you're just not used to the correct phrase. Which which in that case, excuse I think me. would be excuse me. Excuse uh, <laughs> me. Yeah.
1: The G. Oh. Schultz says, Carrie doesn't watch Star Trek The Next Generation. I won't be back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, excuse me, the G. Schultz, for not watching Star Trek. How like, dare you, Look, Carrie? My, my friend who's been on the show before, who has the nice voice, we've talked about having him back.
2: Mm.
1: We want to do... He, he's the biggest Star Trek fan. We want to do a series with him about wokeness and pop culture. So... Hopefully those will be coming soon. He said yes, and cool. I know he has a lot to say about Star Trek oh, does and he? about woke, yeah, right. and about you know superhero films and stuff. But uh, I don't.
0: He I want to go down the communicator problems. rat hole with him, rabbit hole with him, because someone in chat was yeah. like, "No, by 23rd century we'll have zero instantaneous communication." It's not instantaneous. It's negative time communication, which is what's impossible. That's my point. But we'll. I'll talk about it with your friend, uh, if he wants to do all things Star Trek. I will have my geek out on that one uh do you want to do keith's
1: keith says interesting differences between atlas Shrugged movie and book example eddie weilers is blonde and blue-eyed in the book but black in all three movie parts why i don't think they i don't i, don't, think, I, don't, I mean i don't think they thought about it maybe they thought about it and we're like let's know, get I, a my, more my, racially my
0: guess is they probably did they probably were like yeah let's you know there's not a lot of in Alice Shrugged, Rand does not describe the physical characteristics of, it. like, the physical characteristics that she describes, there's not a lot of diversity. Um, there's, like, a Spanish dude, and most of the other people are not explicitly white, but, pr- like, presumably they kind of sound white. She doesn't say that they're not white, I guess is the point. So I think this might be an attempt to, like, show that her ideology actually wasn't related to race at all, she wouldn't have cared. So Eddie Willers could be any color. Let's pick a color that yeah. shows people that she's not, uh, doesn't have any, because Eddie Willers is not a bad character in the book. He's he's a, he's a good character in the book. So uh, Why bother? You want to do why bother?
1: Why bother uh, says, you touched an open wound. I was, <laughs> it was so painful to watch woke Star Trek discovery. I didn't even manage to finish season one. And by the way, who would call a show Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> oh, STD. Who would show, who would call a show STD? I guess. Okay, took me a second.
0: <laughs> well, I never watched the new one. I never watched it. All right, last super chat Mary, for now. Last
1: one, Mary Little. Thank you, Mary. Says I have no formal higher education training. Well, that doesn't matter, Mary. If Aristotle is essential, where do I begin?
0: Um, I mean, I. <sighs> I don't think Aristotle in particular is essential. All those ideas are kind of are essential. Uh, I would just read like, um, I mean, just just read here the basic works of Aristotle by Richard <laughs> McKeegan. Um, you you know you can also read read. Um, there's like there's plenty of old books by like about like. The pre-Socratics, I actually think knowing about the pre-Socratics of through Socrates and the pre-Socratics, Socrates and Plato, and then Aristotle, that's not a lot. And, and you can read that and then you can skip over like millennia after that, right? <laughs> like you can read that and you, you've, like, you've got a good kind of foundation of uh, Western philosophy's origins, and a lot of the arguments that you see articulated in the last few hundred years are variations on, on this. I mean, you know, people credit, some people look at the matrix and they're like, wow, it's like a, it's look at the philosoph- look at the idea philosophically. Well, it's really taken from, you know, well, but that's kind of like David Hume, which is kind of like Plato. Like it's all, it's all like kind of already, it all rewinds to Plato basically the whole thing rewinds to Plato. Um, so th- there are not that there haven't been developments in philosophy in the last few hundred years, but many of them have been horrible. And the ones that aren't horrible are generally um, extensions and integrations of things that were said a long, long time ago. And they're just kind of modernized and made. Because, you know, Aristotle wasn't perfect. I mean, it, people made mistakes. They, they didn't know anything about anything, basically. I mean, they had very little <laughs> scientific and technical knowledge at all. So none of that could be uh, infused into their philosophy. They didn't have any of that evidence. So, <sighs> all right. And there are some good – I can find – I was going to – someone asked me to do a class on logic, and I never did. Uh, there was – I have a few good philosophy – history of philosophy books, like uh, specifically uh, that will go over the Pre-Socratics and stuff. I can find them, and I'll say – yeah, well, you uh, – right. So people are, are, are like, <laughs> throwing out um, – they're throwing out ancient Greek philosophers – yeah, I mean Pythagoras, Euclid, like they're 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 all in there though, but you'll you'll hit all of them if you just go through, you know, around to Plato maybe a little bit after. So um Yeah. Okay. What else should we talk about, Carrie?
1: Uh can I share a funny piece from a funny and a funny piece and a good point from the sermon I heard yesterday?
0: Yeah. Do you, is it, so do I have to put it on the screen or are you just going to read it?
1: No, I thought this would make you laugh. I'm going to paraphrase it. Oh, okay. So I go to this amazing church. I'm so happy I found it. And uh, they put all their sermons online if anybody wants to watch it. It's called Church on the Square. You can find it on Facebook. And I think they might start putting stuff on YouTube. But um, anyway, he was doing this sermon about, I guess, it was, it, the sermon was about atheists who say that, there are some atheists who say that the Bible is not inspired because it doesn't reveal any scientific truths that weren't known at the time. And so he's specifically in the sermon addressing that argument. And Mm -hmm. his point was that the the purpose of the Bible was not to reveal scientific truths or to reveal um, geography or to reveal good grammar it wasn't a book about grammar geography yeah (laughs) yeah you would really (laughs) dig this guy yeah and you know he was like you know because he was talking about one of the apostles had pretty bad grammar and there were other things he's like like, no that's that wasn't the purpose of the purpose was to reveal um theology was it was to reveal the truth the truth about god and so he was talking about how the language that the bible was written in of course we've had to translate it it wasn't written in english and it's been translated to every language and um, it would be he he didn't say this, but my mind kind of went to like yeah, it's sort of like saying well, the Bible's not inspired because it wasn't written in 21st century American English, you know. And I don't know so, what even what does
0: it mean to not be inspired. What does that mean?
1: That it that it's not the word of God, right?
0: Oh, is that what? That it's mean? not
1: because yeah, the the argument being that um, he read a couple quotes from some atheists. One which was sort of like. Well, if if God were writing, were passing down a book of knowledge, obviously he would reveal scientific truths to us that might prevent needless suffering, like teach us about germ theory, for example, et cetera. Et cetera. I see. I see. And so and so uh, but the the funniest part to me was in the way he illustrated this was he was reading a verse about how um, a mustard seed, you know, is the smallest seed. And yet within a mustard seed. Blah 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 blah. Right. Yeah. I remember it, that and verse. it was a metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. And so, in in much the same way that God used, he was saying God used the language of the time. He's of course he's going to speak to people in their language. He's not going to. He's not going to speak to them he in our language He Probably wouldn't have survived if he a, wrote it in C. Right. And and so in the same way, he's not going to spend all his time. Jesus isn't going to spend all his time teaching people um, about like science they don't know yet or about technology they don't know yet. And he was like that verse, for example, would be like you know. 'Cause we now know the mustard seed is not the smallest seed. So does that make the Bible um uninspired? No. He, at the time they thought the mustard seed was the smallest seed. It, imagine Jesus saying, like, you know, an orchid seed is the smallest seed no and somebody's like, What's an orchid? And then <laughs>
0: the Well, there it turns out the like, earth is round and there's another continent and over on that continent there's a flower and it's kind of a weird flower and <laughs> like yeah.
1: <laughs> And then the whole Bible just becomes a series (laughs) of like facts that don't make any sense to the people of the time. And I, that also made me laugh because I was just thinking, you you know, he was sort of like, what if Jesus hands people an iPhone? Like here's an iPhone. I'm revealing a technological truth. And just the whole idea of it, 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 it made me laugh for quite a while. Like that people have this expectation where they, they look back on, we look back through with 2020 vision and we say, well, why wasn't this revealed and why wasn't that revealed? There's an endless number of things you can ask, but why wasn't that? Yeah,
0: I why didn't you take the time to explain I, I wouldn't what? I use an argument that is? argument as an atheist. uh I know, but I know you would. But I get, I get the, I get the idea of the argument, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that argument. I mean, I don't think even, even religious people aren't arguing that. Like, religious people wouldn't argue that God literally wrote down the things. He like, he spoke through people so right. they would use the language and knowledge and understanding of people to like that that kind of makes sense. Uh, but you know, I, I guess maybe you could make variations of that argument would that would be okay. Um, but uh, by the way, really quickly, because people are giving recommendations, I found this recommendation that I meant I should have I should have found before, but I found it. Go to YouTube, History of Philosophy three eleven by Arthur F. Holmes from Wheaton College. All of his lectures are on YouTube um and the two texts that you'll have you get are uh, one by a guy named Kaufman called Philosophic Classics and it will there's two volumes there one is Thales to Ockham or Thales Thales to Occam, and uh, Bacon to Kant and then there's another one by Strumpf which is Socrates to Sartre um that is it's a history of philosophy and it kind of walks you through a bunch of bunch of stuff I don't for the later stuff, maybe you could read it yourself. But for the earlier stuff, it has actually excerpts from a lot of the things, and and is helpful. So, but there's videos. There's videos to all of that online. He's I like the guy. He's a good lecturer. Um, it's you know, I don't I don't know if he's still around. Even it's from the '80s or '90s or something. But it's it's on, uh, it's on YouTube. Okay, I do. By the way, you reminded me, Carrie. I do want to have sometime. I want to have someone on that can explain to me the whole canonization of the Bible and, like, how that all happened because I'm curious oh, how that happened. Um,
1: yeah, I've had some recommendations on that. We'll talk about that after.
0: Yeah. I would love to do um, that. Okay. So, uh, what else do we got? I'm good. Well, uh, I'm. Oh, we should mention the fact that Chicago fell apart over the weekend more than it has yeah. before. Um, so, just... <laughs> Just as an example of how, this is the the world we live in. A 20-year-old dude uh, had a gun, was being chased by police, turned to shoot at the police while they were chasing him. They shot him, didn't kill him, but did shoot him, and he's uh, in confinement now, and I think he's going to be okay. There were false rumors that he was a minor, and so the entire city rioted. 100 people were arrested. 13 officers were injured. They Broke into stores. They looted. They went absolutely uh, apeshit, for lack of a better term, uh, over the weekend. So that's the world we're in right now. A nice little, a nice little, uh, a nice little false rumor, and people are very happy to just go absolutely crazy. You know what? I was going to look up. Have you, you know, Can the we, site? We, hey, jackass. No, I don't know that site. It's a great site. Here, I'll show you the site. Anyone who's interested in Chicago remotely. Uh, remotely interested in chicago let's uh i will go to heyjackass.com and here it is if you want to know about chicago this person uh i don't know who this is but they've got a illustrating chicago values uh chicago crime uh murder and mayhem they keep track of death and all the craziness happening in chicago this site's been around for years so if you ever, you're ever ever interested in the stats of what's going on in Chicago, let's see. Last week's total, 11 people shot and killed, 80 people shot and wounded, total 91 shot, 11 homicides. Uh, so far in August, we've had 18 homicides. Year-to-date, 466. So great place to move to. Raise the family.
1: You're making me think of this article I read in the New York Post over the um, past two days. I can't remember when I read it. New York City Moms fleeing Upper West Side amid crime and chaos. Uh, And then it's an article about Upper West Side moms, which, remember that demographic we spoke of earlier who um, are
0: sometimes the most vocal
1: social justice proponents?
0: Like Upper West Side moms kind of people?
1: Like Upper West Side moms, like wealthy, entitled, um, highly educated white women. Okay, so... They're leaving, and this is an article about how. Um, here we go. Due to increasingly squalid conditions on the Upper West Side, including two new homeless shelters, they've taken hotels and converted them into homeless shelters, packed with junkies and registered sex offenders. Longtime dwellers are departing the Big Apple with no plans to ever return. One of the uh, escapees from escape from New Yorkers is Elizabeth Carr, one of the area's most vocal leaders in combating mounting crime and the well-held hood. Um, so it goes on and and she talks about how she says, even in the best of times, New York city is a hard place to live. Now you have all this other stuff. It's a question for families to have to see a guy masturbating on the corner or explain to my kids why I'm buying diapers at Dwayne Reed. Um, why, why this guy wearing no shoes is collapsing on the floor and they're doing CPR on him. Um, so she's moving to North Carolina and it goes on to talk about all the crimes, how the, the crime has just gone way up during this lockdown and during th- this these um, ideologically motivated riots and protests, these BLM protests. Um, crimes committed over the past several days would have been unheard of a year ago in the quiet neighborhood that's home to Lincoln Center and restaurants by Daniel Bolude, that is. A 40-year-old woman was randomly stabbed in the 72nd Street subway station at noon on Thursday. A 56-year-old man was sucker-punched while dining outdoors with his wife Wednesday night. Photos were posted online of a man masturbating on the steps of the New York Historical Society, and onlookers witnessed an apparent overdose in the aisle of Duane Reed, Reed across the street from Lucerne Hotel. The Lucerne at 79th Street in Amsterdam and the Hotel Belle Claire at 76th Street in Broadway were recently converted into homeless shelters with nearly 300 vagrants between them. Ten of the men are registered sex offenders, including convicted rapists, child molesters, and child porn possessors, all living a block away from a school playground. And and so it just goes on about the destruction of this this uh, wealthy community. And everyone's moving away from it. My question is, what have you learned? What are you going to do to the areas where you move?
0: I don't think they're good at learning. Huh. But that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Did you see what Andrew you Cuomo talk about you? this? No. He talked all about how we used to worry about millionaires leaving if we, hire, we raise taxes on them. But he admitted, he said, well, they've already left. He's like begging them to come back. And he, he had, I mean, Andrew Cuomo, of all people. And he was like, look, oh. people, millionaires are the most, mo- are very mobile they have, like, a house in Connecticut, a house here. Like, if our taxes are too high, they're not going to come back here. Um, and I would say that is absolutely true. Also, if, you, um, if you're if you letting rioters and looters uh, have free reign in your city and you can't control crime, they're also not going to come back there. Uh, wealthy people can leave and should. Uh, <laughs> what have you learned? I mean— I don't know, Gary. Do you think they've learned? I mean, the the, well, the mo of, of the, the people... left for every for the past several decades has been this doesn't work, so more of this. So, I mean, you know,
1: Austin is being flooded with people from California, New York, other places right now. Chicago, Austin is looking disgusting. the The homeless problem it was always a problem even when I moved here just a few years ago. It was a problem, but it is skyrocketed. It's spiraled out of control. And they continue to pass in the city of Austin new ordinances that they're allowing tent cities now. Like on Skid Row in Los Angeles, they're allowing tent cities. Yep. You can't do anything as a small business owner if there's a homeless person encamped in front of your shop and pooping in front of your doorway. Like, none of this helps to end homelessness. That's a, the that's a crazy thing is that I'm like, what are you guys thinking? You're not helping these people at all. You're not well, helping the problem, you're making it worse.
0: Yeah, no, this is this is this is related to what I I think I said on the show recently, but um empathy is sufficient is necessary but not sufficient for empathetic behavior. Empathetic behavior yeah. requires uh, both the feeling and the responsibility to think through the consequences of your action and learn from mistakes. So uh, it's not empathetic to say this hasn't worked in every place we've tried it. Let's do more of it. Let's do it again. Let's do more of it because we care. That's, that might feel empathetic, but it's not empathetic action. It's not empathy realized in reality. It's empathy in your head. It's mental masturbation. It, you're just, you're like satisfying yeah. your own desire to be empathetic in your own, like, but you're not actually helping. And you
1: helping ruin anybody. the place you live in. And then because you are wealthy and have the resources, you move away and then you vote for the same things and you've ruined that place. Right. And then you move away and you just keep mo- ruining places wherever you go.
0: You're Leftist the problem. like locusts. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> maybe, I, um, maybe in-
0: the plagues in the Bible were metaphors. Maybe the locusts are leftists moving from state to state and just consuming everything and ruining it and moving on.
1: I don't know. Uh, somebody in chat, Clutch McDougal, what a great name, says, <laughs> "I need to get out of Seattle. I promise I'll vote Republican, which I did for the first time this local election." <laughs> Look, I I voted for Republican for the first time in 2018 because the Republican was the most liberal and the beto was a leftist authoritarian he wasn't a liberal so it's like i can't vote for him if you've if you've figured out these lessons i, I was going to say i think some of the people leaving are like clutch yep.
0: they've some
1: they've awakened they're in the middle of an awakening and they're starting to realize intent is not enough you have to look at the consequences of behavior and votes and actions and see what happens and does it work or not what works And so some of those people leaving are not going to recreate the same mess wherever they go. go, And that's awesome. And I I welcome you to Texas.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd prefer you also think about the principles behind it, but sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But so many people who are moving here have not thought about what caused the situation they're fleeing and what was their role in it. And I just, I want to shake those people sometimes. (laughs) Like, uh, Ugh, why are you bringing it here
0: well I mean this is one of the things if if we end up having a free state somewhere a free society somewhere um, it, this is actually something the libertarians disagree about I think a lot of libertarians are like well borders are borders are violence and you can't stop people from crossing borders and blah 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 and like while I technically agree sort of uh, you can have private property, you can have a door on your front house, and similarly, you can put a fence on private property and not let people in. And the only way that a free society is gonna survive is if uh, the people in that society are vigilant about not letting people in who are, are bringing toxic ideas. That like It's just not, you know, I'm sorry, but multiculturalism is great when you're talking about food and clothes and music, uh, but when when you're bringing those aspects of a culture that are antithetical to individualism, and I'm not meaning different ethnicities, I'm meaning California culture. When you're bringing, you can bring Berkeley hacky sack. Berkeley hacky sacks can go to Texas any day. Berkeley ideas should stay in Berkeley. Like they can't they can't come. You can't bring your Berkeley ideas to Berkeley. You're, you shouldn't, or to Texas or anywhere else. Um, you, you gotta you, you gotta push back on this. And obviously you can't physically stop people from moving. Given in the current environment, but um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a virus, it's COVID's not the viral problem we have. The viral problem we have is leftism. <laughs> That's the
1: oh, problem. we have a pandemic, we're in the beginning of a pandemic right now for sure. And I wish I could socially distance from all of the people who are spreading.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we're in a pandemic that I think we've been in a pandemic and we're just now noticing it's been asymptomatic <laughs> for largely, and like people are, oh, what wait. There's results. Racism is a result of this? Yes. Yes, racism is a result of this. Thank you for noticing. Right. Now leave it in Berkeley. Uh, and when you come to Texas, leave that crap in Berkeley. Uh, I'm not right. in Texas. I'm closer to Berkeley, actually, than Texas. But not ideologically. <laughs> uh, let's do a couple super chats. Okay. Um, let's see. TM Tsani. 23, Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, sorry. We are the internationalists. Lower your shields and surrender your property. Your white fragility will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. (laughs) Do you get the Borg reference, Carrie? You watched enough that you got the Borg reference?
1: I I watched enough to get what you're saying. Resistance (laughs) is futile. Thank you.
0: They are the Borg. They are the Borg. (laughs) Except for you're allowed uh, to criticize the board. Let's see. We we have but I thought there was one more that I missed.
1: Oh. Dancing with consciousness. Thank you. Moved from California to Texas four years ago. Sorry, not sorry. Oh well. Hey, dancing mm-hmm. with consciousness, I don't have a problem with you. And I moved here from California also. I'm, you know, hypocritical about my distaste for California's moving here. It's very specifically it's the California idea it's the ideology that I don't want moving here. If you're a Californian who like I've said before on this show, I met these people in my little town here in Texas who learned I was from California and they were they were from California and they said, oh, you it we need more. That's great. We need more California and Texas, if you know what I mean. And it just blew me away. I thought, no, I, I don't I don't know what you mean at all. Didn't you just spend the whole conversation telling me about how you had to leave California because you couldn't afford to live there anymore because it became intolerable. But now you say we need more of that here. What are you talking about? No. Like, don't get it.
0: Yep. Um, it is, I don't know, it is a form of, like, there's a form of selfishness to it in a bad way. Like, I, I can use, I use the word selfishness sometimes to mean, like, rational selfishness, which is a little bit difficult. But there's a form of, like, narcissistic, like... Well, I ate my fill of California and ruined it. Now I'm moving on to Texas. I'm going to do that. Like, like, do you have no sense of personal responsibility? Did none, none of your behavior in California, like you're just absolved of any guilt for anything that's happening. You have no, no need for introspection, no self-examination. You were there for 30 years and like, nope, not going to even consider that you might have been a contributing factor. Uh, that's a, that's a level of narcissism. That's disgusting. Um. Let's see. We have actually got another one from I think Joy. Joy
1: Hafford. Thank you. Gave us five bucks.
0: Yeah. Thank and you, Joy. no comments. Thank you. All right. Um, before we wrap up, there was something I wanted to say on Friday, Carrie, and this is not a big deal, but I just want to I want to put it on people's radar. Um, have you paid attention to any of the FISA hearings? Not really. So. Um, There was the whole Marussia collusion crap. I think we've talked before. I mean, we haven't gone super deep. Other people go really deep on this stuff. And so you can go to like Dan Bongino or someone if you want the really deep political analysis here. But just at a high level, um, we're in a place right now and I don't know that people are paying attention to what's going on. Senator Josh Hawley last week, he interrogated the former Attorney General, um, Sally Yates, about FISA abuse. So it turns out that the FBI was using material misleading and outright false information on FISA warrants to obtain wiretaps. And this is on the Trump team. Um, and, um, and he was asking Yates, the attorney general, because she signed off on these warrants, uh, these warrant applications, hey, you know, did you review them? She's like, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And we're in this this place where no one is held accountable for anything. Like we know that falsified documents were shared were were, were submitted by the FBI. We know the Attorney General Department, uh, the AG under Obama, uh, approved them. We know actually that Bruce Orr, who worked for Sally Yates, knew Christopher Steele, who was hired by the Hillary uh, Clinton campaign from inform- uh, the to provide these the dossier he was we know that Bruce orr functioned as a conduit between the political operations and the FBI taking political operations research for for the HRC campaign and funneling it into the FBI which is completely inappropriate we know that the FBI uh, then then intentionally went out and made according to the FISA Court itself inaccurate incomplete or unsupported by appropriate documentation. Uh, submissions by the FBI. And the uh, Rosemary Collier, the, the judge of the FISA court, said this calls into question whether information contained in other FBI applications is reliable. So the FISA court is literally saying we don't trust the FBI at this point. That's how bad this is. And I don't see it talked a lot about in the mainstream media. I don't see... I don't see the, where are the, you know, the reporters like to hearken back to the days where they investigated Richard Nixon and, ooh, look, the Watergate scandal. Look how great these reporters are, digging deep, getting the information, you know, holding politicians accountable. Where the hell are you? Where the hell are you, reporters? Because no one except for internet news outlets, people like Dan Bongino are and and his staff and, and people out there doing that kind of work, none of the mainstream media is doing anything about this. It is just crickets out there about this. No one's doing their investment. They they hold themselves up as if there's some kind of, you know, uh, guardians of the truth and defenders of our freedom. And they're literally just not giving a crap about any of this. Um, and I, you know, I think it's important to know what's going on. If you're interested in it, I'm not the guy to give you all the details, but I do know that high level stuff enough. I would go, I will go check it out. But There is a, anyone who tells you that the deep state doesn't exist, just read this stuff and and you'll be like, oh, obviously the deep state is this, it's this, it's this thing where no one's responsible for anything. The FBI does this, Bruce Orr does that, Sally Yates does that. No one gets punished. No one's responsible. That FISA court literally just doesn't trust applications anymore. Who's held accountable? No one. Crickets. No one's held accountable. Uh, Well, that is authoritarianism. That is tyranny. When no one is held accountable, that's tyranny. That's what a that's what a dictator is. Instead of one person, you have a dictator of a bureaucracy. You've got a bureaucratic dictatorship, um, and that's what's happening right now. And it's pretty chilling. Because I wanted to end on a positive note. I know how much you you like that. <laughs> Somebody says
1: I oh, I look exhausted. No, I just uh,
0: I know I, my oh, mind. Poor is- Carrie. She wants to end my on a positive note. My mind elsewhere. Did not help.
1: No, I just wanted to respond to uh, something in the chat. Somebody's either (laughs) purposefully misunderstanding me or they're misunderstanding me
0: uh, by accident. I find it's often purposeful and with malintent, Uh, but what is this case?
1: (laughs) Uh, Somebody says, uh, I I can't remember, where's the original quote? Oh, disagree. Ideas must be open to, to all places. Suppression of ideas never works. Counter Berkeley ideas to better ideas. Okay, that would make sense if what I were saying is people shouldn't legally be allowed to move here with their dumb ideas. that's not what I'm saying. You're purposely misunderstanding.
0: Nobody's talking no, about Oh, they're talking about not, not ideas. letting ideas in.
1: Yeah, my oh. point is I don't want them here. They are objectively bad ideas and I would wish that people would learn something before when they flee a place where their bad ideas have ruined that place and that's the reason they're leaving. I would hope that they wouldn't then bring those bad ideas here to do the same thing again. And so then this person says, no, we need these ideas. And Cal- Texas needs these California ideas. No, we don't. You're also <laughs> you need, purposefully You mis- need the cancer. No. It balances you need, out your health. We need white supremacist ideas, right? No, we don't. We don't. There are some ideas that are objectively bad. Do we need people who disagree with us? Yes, of course we do. Liberals need conservatives. Conservatives need liberals. But we don't need bad extremist ideology. I don't need to say, oh, I need white supremacists living next door so they can keep me in check. No. Uh, Equally, I do not need bad woke ideas living next door so they can keep me in check. I know these are bad ideas. Do I think they should be suppressed and that they shouldn't be allowed to move
0: here? No.
1: Do I think that I, I have a right to say my opinion is that I don't want them to move down? Yes.
0: Well, I, I, <laughs> look. First of all, I don't like the I don't like to characterize things as extremists because I don't think extremism is bad. Um, but uh, I I want to untangle some stuff here because people get this stuff confused in their heads and they think that you're you're saying one thing when you're saying another and they think you're being hypocritical when you criticize Twitter but not blah, blah, blah. so let's just let's just be clear. I think Kerry and I both agree the government should not be censoring ideas at all. The government should not be that's free speech.
1: I agree. The government. I don't should know not where Kerry stands. Ideas. Okay. Social media companies should not be censoring ideas. Right. So I was going to say I don't know where you stand ideas. on
0: the social media company stuff. Uh, I think right. they have a right to do it, censor... but they need to be honest.
1: I agree. They have a right to do it, but they should be honest. And I and I think it's wrong when they do it. I think it's wrong, and I th- doesn't. I don't think it helps us. Helps us. I, I don't I think wouldn't... they should censor social justice idea, ideas any more uh, than they would censor. I don't think they should censor white nationalists or social justice ideas. They're both equally evil, right. but those ideas are going to fall to the bottom if you let them be aired and fought against. Hopefully. If people get over their fear of speaking against
0: one of them. Yeah, so I just I, so this is, we might had, we might disagree a little bit here. I, okay. I am Good. I think it is not only necessary but important to use social pressure and ostracization, not force to police the ideas in your own house, community, society. So I would not let a white supremacist come lecture at dinner to my daughter. It's my house. Those ideas do not belong in my house. They do not get a platform at my dinner table. Similarly, an SJW does not get a platform at my dinner table because it would be the same as a white supremacist. Uh, (laughs) They don't get to have those. I I very tightly control the ideas in my house. It doesn't mean there's no exposure to those ideas, but I'm I'm raising a child. That exposure needs to be very controlled. I'm helping them think. Their brain's developing. Those ideas have impact. I know they have an impact. And all ideas are not equally welcome in my house. And they shouldn't be. Uh, Similarly in my community. More ideas are welcome in the community. Um, But I would encourage a community that outright rejects certain horrible ideas. I'm not opposed, actually, if Twitter wanted to say, "This this is our ideology, this is our platform, This is what you can and can't say. We are social justice. Can't be not social justice. We're gonna ban everything not social justice. I think that would be fine if they said it from day one and they were honest about it. What Twitter did was was bait and uh, they bait and switched you. They told you it was a platform for open discussion of ideas and then retroactively, after you helped them build the platform and become a public company, changed their mind and are lying and vague about how they're enforcing this. That makes them reprehensible. Not the, but if they had just come out of the gate and said, this is our belief system and we're not gonna have ideas that don't meet our belief system, fine. Do I think that does that mean that they're good ideas? Does that mean that they wouldn't, they, they shouldn't be subject to outside criticism? No, I think they should be. And I think they're wrong ideas and, and it would be good for them to be subject to outside criticism, but that's their deal. I think if we don't as a society in our communities with our interpersonal relationships both of family friends schools communities if we don't enforce socially enforce the uh through ostracization ostracization or condemnation or whatever not through getting people fired from their job not through like that kind, just you know if we don't provide social pressure against bad ideas It doesn't mean be ignorant of bad ideas. We definitely need to know of them. You should study them at school and know what the arguments are. Absolutely. But we don't need those ideas infused in our community in order to be a stronger community. We don't. We don't. We don't. There's nothing that communism brings to the debate that's important. Nothing. Nothing. There's zero important about that. You should know Marx's idea. You should read Marx. You should read critical theory. You should know. When you go to school, you should understand. But we don't need to invite Marxists to live next door to us. And I think one of the failures of Western civilization is to recognize that we fight this battle on a personal level when it's uncomfortable or we fight it with force later when the commies are literally trying to take over. Those are our only options. If you let this mind virus spread, it will spread. And when it does, they will seize the reins of power and then, then the real war will start. The way to avoid the real war is to have the social war. It's to have the war at the level of words, at the level of social ostracization. And if we're wrong about this, I'm all about the freedom of other communities. If the, if the SJWs want to go stay in their area and practice social justice to their heart's content, good on you. You do that as much as you want. I don't want to do it where I am. We don't want those ideas. Like I wouldn't want those ideas where I am. And- uh, I, I wouldn't make them illegal, but I certainly wouldn't tolerate them socially. And you need a strong, you need strong social cohesion and you need shared community values in order to do that. And and one of the things that's happened by pushing uh, div- the By pushing the idea of moral relativism and cultural equivalence, we have entered into an era where communities do not share values and any old thing can come in and you're not allowed to criticize it. So when radical Islam comes in and starts grooming gangs in the UK, you got to keep your mouth shut because it's a different culture and you wouldn't want to offend them. That's where this goes, guys. You need to police this this.
1: It's like saying uh, we need those ideas about grooming children. So, but, you know, no, I don't no, want we don't. those ideas in my. We do and, need to and, be aware
0: that those ideas exist in the world. We do need to be aware yeah. that they exist, but we don't need to live next door to them.
1: Right, and I don't need to want them or invite them in into my space. No, uh, no. Oh gosh, there was something else. And, I and to oh, the libertarians in the said, audience,
0: sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, there's someone else said. Let me. Let me. Someone else said that California has been influencing Austin for a long time, and that's why Austin's cool. I don't disagree with that, but it, I think what you're doing is is uh, conflating the two different meanings of culture, like Carter says. Yes. There's culture culture when it comes to food and music and art and um, openness, and, and I, I don't have a problem with any of that kind of California culture. That's not what I – took these people to mean when they said, we need more California in Texas. If it was, I would have agreed with them. Maybe I don't have a problem with that, with the art, with the music, most of it, right. um, with the different, you know, types of food. I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the, the kind of culture that is about ideas and philosophy. And no, we don't need the culture of California when it comes to ideology and philosophy. I don't need that here in Texas. And that's not what makes Austin cool. That's what has created tent cities in Austin and homeless people pooping in your storefront. That's not cool. Do you think that's cool? Being a right. shop owner and stepping over poop in the morning and calling the cops and being told there's nothing they can do about it?
0: Right. No, I mean this is I, I no. this is why I don't I don't write a lot. I don't write as much as I want to, but I wrote an article about culture for this reason. Because the term culture is a, is a bad term. It's a crappy word. And the reason it's a bad term is it includes things of moral relevance and inclu- and includes things of moral irrelevant, like amoral stuff. Culture can mean food, but it can also mean, do you throw gays off of skyscrapers because homosexuality is punishable by death? That's also culture. Like those two things, cult- that and food should not be in the same category of a thing. Yeah. That's a, it's a horrible <laughs> idea, right? So when we talk about preserving Western culture, we're talking about the philosophical foundations of Western culture, not French fries and hot dogs. That's not what we're trying to preserve. I don't want French fries and hot dogs. Bring your other cultural foods in here. Bring the music. Bring the other stuff. It's the it's the philosophical. It's the moral ideas that matter. And there is not room... For, for bad moral ideology in a culture that wants to remain moral. And this is what I was going to say to libertarians. The libertarians out there who think that you can have some sort of Shangri-La and not have borders, you are retarded. I'm sorry. But your Shangri-La. As soon as you have a Shangri-La, as soon as things get better... Everyone will want to move. And if you have some kind of voting system or you got some kind of thing where they can – it doesn't matter if it's voting. They will influence the culture. They will bring bad ideas with them. They will – California will come. They will come because what you've got is better. The grass is greener on your side. They will move there. They will bring their crappy ideas, their poison for your lawn, and they will kill it. You must be vigilant about the ideas in your community. If if you plan on having you have some kind of notion that you're gonna have a libertarian utopia, but you're never gonna police people coming there, you're just stupid. You absolutely yeah. need to police people coming there. You need the community to say, mm, certain ideology is not allowed. I'm sorry. You know what? You can bring all yeah. the you can bring all the Middle Eastern food you want but you can't bring radical Islam. You can't, you can't bring it. You can't throw gays off of buildings. That can't be an idea that we need to discuss in the public square. It cannot be acceptable discourse. We'll teach our kids that they exist over there in that spot and that they're horrible and that they're horrible. We'll tell why the ideas are horrible. We'll be aware of them, but you can't You can't expect us to have those ideas as part of our culture and treat them like they have any any moral standing that deserves debate.
1: This is the this is the influence of postmodernism on the woke ideology, which is like anything goes, any idea is equally valid. Let's bring every idea and even the flat earthers and let's, you know, and people who throw people off build, gay people off buildings. It's all equally valid. You can't judge it. Even people who perform female genital mutilation on children. That's cool. Right. People who push racism and racist ideologies. And that's awesome.
0: Right bring it on it's in all
1: equally we're valid, we're multicultural yeah we're all multi <laughs> it's it's like when they say your brain is so open, your mind is so open that your brain falls out, like I'm um, sorry, no, some ideas are objectively better than others, and uh there's a difference between I think also people like we've said they they start confusing uh legality with morality or legality with with what's ethical well and, i think I think a lot of people
0: wrong. refuse they confuse <laughs> morality <clears throat> with. What most people vote for or what most people think, they, they're social metaphysicians. They look around and they say, like, well, this is what other people think is right. So this is right. I will apologize. Nick says, hey, come on, Carter. Stupid is over the top. Naive, though. Yeah, OK, naive. They're not stupid. That, that's correct. The, a lot of these people are not stupid, but they are naive. And I do think it's against libertarian principles to not have borders. People have, like, I'm not saying use force to keep people out. I'm saying ostracize them. Just say, look, you know what? No one's gonna to wanna to do business with you. No one's gonna to wanna to sell you property. No one's gonna to wanna to trade with you. Like you aren't, we're just not gonna sell you property here. Our community doesn't want you here. We don't want you here. If you if you have these bad ideas, we just don't want you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing, in fact, that's the only way that you preserve the West. That's the only way.
1: Again, you're talking about social ostracization. I can't say that word. Somebody ask you, in good faith, I, this person is asking in good faith, so there's no free speech in a libertarian utopia? Can you answer that? What you mean you know, by that? No, absolutely there's free speech. Because I know what you mean. I know yeah, what you mean,
0: but... absolutely there's free speech. Um, but free speech means two things. Some people use free speech to mean it from a legal perspective. There's absolutely legal free speech. Yes, you can say whatever you want. Like Legally, we can't use force against you, right, for speaking even horrible ideas. However, to pretend that as a community, we shouldn't ostracize you socially if your ideas are abhorrent, that's not a violation of free speech. I don't, I, when, the, when the left says that Twitter censoring you mm-hmm. is not a violation of free speech, I agree with the left. It's not. Twitter's, fault, Twitter's sin is not, is not violation of free speech. Twitter's sin is lying to you about what their rules were Twitter's sin is that they duped you they lied they said they were open platform They pretend they pretended that they were you built the platform for them got them to be a public they say company
1: They are a free speech platform. Sure. Sure. So not. it's lying.
0: It's lying, right? But they're perfectly within their rights to say Jack Dorsey can say this is my sandbox And these are my rules and it's not a free speech zone. That's fine. That's fine. Libertarianism doesn't mean people can't have rules in their own homes and in their own communities that they enforce socially. That's not what that means. It means the government, you don't use force to do it. It means a gun is not involved. That's what it means.
1: Yeah. Somebody says, I think it was the original person that they they weren't talking about culture, but I was ta- I wasn't referring to you, keep up. I was referring to the second person. Um, the only way to discover good ideas is through communication and debate. Hey, I agree with you, and I've discovered some good ideas, and I've also d- really discovered some bad ideas. And I don't need to keep interacting with those bad ideas. What part of this are you failing to understand? I know that Marxism is a bad idea. I've just I've arrived at this after 20 years preaching it. I'm not gonna. I think your brain is falling out if you're telling me that I have to keep interacting with it or that. Hey, do you really know that white supremacy is a bad idea? Maybe you need to keep interacting with it. No, I've decided <laughs> right. it's a bad idea. Right. I'm moving on to look at some other ideas that I haven't, I haven't formed opinions on yet.
0: So I, if you I, yeah, want to live in a place totally where agree. you're
1: continually interacting with bad ideology and you can never form an opinion on anything and, oh, anything goes. I don't have any opinions about what's good or what's bad. Then you do that.
0: Yeah, and by the way, that position is weak. It's because you don't feel strong about your ideas. You are unsure if you're right. I am sure that communism is evil. I don't need to talk about it anymore. If you want to debate and someone thinks it's worthy to have a conversation, fine. But we don't need that in our communities. It's, It's not... But if you're unsure, then you have this wishy-washy, lame-ass, like, well, I don't know, shouldn't we let everyone in to have (laughs) a Well, okay, fine. You can live in your crappy society and you'll get overrun by violent people with horrible ideas, and we will keep the bad ideas out and be happy and and prosperous. (laughs) And you know what, someone else-
1: I Go stole ahead. that voice from you. Here. Sorry.
2: Uh,
0: someone else just said, "I and I wanted." This is actually a point that I think people don't understand, and and I don't. I think this is in good faith. Yelling bomb <laughs> in an airplane is considered inciting a panic, right? Okay. This this is my favorite bad argument. I don't think this person's doing it intentionally, by the way. Uh, the fire in a the theater, yelling a bomb on an airplane—that's no not okay. In a free society, someone owns the plane and someone owns the theater. And they make the fucking rules because it's their property. That's how property works. So if I own an airplane, I can say it's illegal to yell bomb on an airplane. Not illegal, but it's against my rules. That's not violating your free speech. That's how property works. In my movie theater, I can say you can't do these things. You can't yell out these things because it would incite a panic in my movie theater. You don't have to come. But... When we do the midnight showing of Backdraft, maybe everyone's allowed to scream fire in the theater because that's part of the fun. I don't know. But I make the rules on my property. That's how this works, guys. You don't know, that this idea of like, well, can you yell blah, blah, blah. blah? I don't know. who who's, Whose spot is it? Who owns it? That's who determines it. Who owns it? And as a community, you can make those rules and say, look – Maybe you've got 99% of the people in your community that are going to enforce the social ostracization, and 1% is going to let people in who are have bad ideas, and they're going to say, I'll do business with you. I'll rent you an apartment. You can come in, even if you've got bad ideas. Okay, well... Now you've got a choice to make. Do you stand up and ostracize that 1% and show them that you care about your community and the ideology here and you're willing to protect it and that you have the foresight to see what generation after generation of horrible ideology does? Because what you're experiencing right now is not some new freaking thing. This isn't like, you know, three weir- years ago left us to open a-, a magical can of social justice worms on you and you just it came out of nowhere. This crap, you've led in this country for decades, well before I was born, before our grandparents were born. You let bad ideas in the country community at large we let these ideas here we let them foster we let them teach our kids we let them go everywhere and this is the result and if you can't see that you will not successfully beat social justice or its ancestors because social justice when it dies there will just be another ancestor to pop up based on these horrible horrible ideas you gotta fight the ideas at their root not just not just the latest manifestation of them I'm i hair. think I'll also stop.
1: people are i think there's people are just um what's the word conflating a lot of different things here and not understanding any nuance like i'm not saying don't read Marx and be familiar with what you're talking about you said and the opposite actually yeah. We said actually the opposite. <laughs> yes. And uh, Judson – I have to give Judson credit. He said, you can read Marx without French kissing him. That's – yes. That's Thank what I you. <laughs> yes. You can read Marx without – look, I read this awful book yes. uh, recently. Even though I knew what it was going to say and I wasn't wrong. I was like, I pretty much think I know what's in here. I think it's going to suck. And I ended up – it sucked. Is she – have I and I've said? Do they get something like little nuggets of truth? Right? Yeah, because they use those nuggets of truth to then sell you this cancerous ideology. Right. But but I'm familiar with the ideology. Uh, I was not only for being in it for 20 years, but for continuing to read with it and and it, interact with it. Most of what we do on this show lately is engaging with it. Does I've, that I've mean got that crappy Kimberly like, Fren- Crenshaw here and move, crap right, over there. Reading, like, I'm reading. Like, I'm reading lots of crap. to my neighborhood <laughs> and changed my please come change my uh, laws and please get on my city council and please start indoctrinating my children. And should I welcome all that with the open arms? No, no, I don't need to. Well, I can be informed about what this is and continually updated on it and continue to engage with it and still say, I do not want this in my neighborhood. I hope that fewer people with this ideology move near me. It's not a bad thing for me to hope that. I also hope that fewer child molesters move near, in my neighborhood and I hope that fewer white supremacists move into my neighborhood and I hope that right. you know there's a ton of people that <laughs> and if you think you don't have those preferences about ideology about idea like you're wrong I think I think you're go, probably you
0: lying know what to go move they used to say this to to libertarians and and atheists are not atheists the libertarians and 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 minarchists all the time why don't you go move to Somalia why don't you go move to Somalia? Why don't you go go move <laughs> to somewhere with horrible ideology? Go move to somewhere where uh, there is absolute ab- abhorrent ideology and then tell me that it doesn't matter who your neighbors are and that every idea should be treated equally and you should argue. <laughs> By the way, people in chat, some people are like, I hate when Carter gets squeaky. Some people like when I get squeaky. And someone probably correctly said I, they think that people are egging me on intentionally for the show. I know I'm very animated today. Sorry. Uh, we took but, the bait. And, you know, but – you know, whatever I, I don't I, I don't feel like, bad about it it needed to be said no. and if it's entertaining yeah. I don't care whether it, it's entertaining in a good or bad way if it made you listen and think about these ideas then it was worth it so right
1: <sighs> and I would like I the people who though. share my values <laughs> to move next door to me I hope that Carter one day leaves California and moves next door to me
0: mm. someone said what? no no we tell anarchists to go there oh that's right it is it's anarchists that you say to go there uh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we should wrap up. We should thank wrap you up. for
1: a lively ending.
0: <laughs> sorry. Wait. Do we? Can we have? Okay. Is there any positive news I can think of for you? Oh wait. Hold on. We have a couple talk. super chats we need to do too. Oh, sorry. Digital man twenty one twelve, not twenty twelve. Twenty one twelve says Mike Huckabee posted today that murders in Austin, Texas are up sixty four percent. Please stay safe. Wow. Really?
1: Yeah. I don't doubt it. Jesus. I haven't read that, but it doesn't surprise me, I guess.
0: Uh, Joy uh, Hafford says, thank you, Joy. She says, it is in-depth on Hannity on Fox about the visa abuses. Oh, okay. I think you mean FISA abuses. But uh, there's an investigation ongoing and about to break uh, loose all hell in October. Okay, so Fox is doing something. I don't really watch. I, I see CNN mostly into so the other mainstream stuff. Uh, I'm glad that Fox is doing something, at least. Um, but... Let's see.
1: I don't see these.
0: You'll have to read them. I, we might, that might be, oh no, this one might be the last one. Let's see. Next one. Thank you, one Joe Cav 73. Uh, he says, Carrie keeps saying she's a classical liberal. Why do you keep hanging on to that title? You voted red. Because Why I accept that you're at least libertarian. <laughs> LOL, winky face.
1: <laughs> Thank you, sir, for this question. Uh, because I am a classical liberal, it's best I can tell. And and as you know, probably since you asked the question, um, I think it's important not to seed language and to let them come up with new definitions for words and to redefine words. And so they are trying to redefine liberal as this leftist authoritarianism, which is not liberal. It's very illiberal to support censorship or violence. And so I'm not gonna let them take that word for me. I'm not gonna stop calling myself a liberal because other people using it are using it incorrectly. And, yeah, I did vote for a, a, a Republican. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was the most liberal in the ballot. So I, I guess I've answered that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. You the other day, would you encouraged me to give up the word capitalism because it was misunderstood. Uh, so maybe there is a That's... point at which to just let go. But I don't know
1: yeah but I don't uh. think we've reached that point with the word liberal yet
0: I think I really don't want to let go of capitalism oppose, but I, yeah I, I get it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I think there's enough liberals who oppose social justice ideology probably that that they if they all started speaking and saying I am a liberal and this does not speak for me you know this is yep. not liberalism. I think it helps also to have people who are not see they want you to be in these boxes of if you don't agree with social justice Marxism, well, then you must be a right winger. That's just not true. Right. And I think we need alliances between progressives and liberals and conservatives who all agree, hey, we have all these differences of opinion when it comes to policy, but we all agree that this ideology, that these ideas are bad. <laughs> and it helps to have liberals who are speaking against it. So if if you're a liberal and this woke Marxist authoritarian Garbage is not representative of your beliefs say so it is a liberal that is a true statement It is an illiberal belief system.
0: It is it is and I think you're far your Capitalism is more lost that that debate like you're in the midst of it right now where people who were calling themselves liberals very recently are still are now behaving illiberally Um, So yeah, yeah Um, Thank you, Heather Heather 296. Just gave us five bucks with no message.
1: Thanks, Heather Heather Super
0: sweet. And I think we're done. I think I think we hit the end. Uh, uh, Beverly tells me not to let go of capitalism. Uh, you know, I haven't yet, Beverly, but it's, it's a tough one because people think you mean corporatism. They think you mean a whole bunch of other stuff. They don't. Capitalism is basically just the recognition of private property, <laughs> individual rights and private property. Like, there's not much to it, uh, but that's not what people think. When they hear it, they think of, you know, Mr. Moneybags with the top hat and like, I don't know, cigars full of rich men making deals with the government and I don't know I don't know what they think corporatism so
1: somebody says I wish we could get back to disagreeing about policy but agreeing on the goals yeah I do too remember when you could I mean theoretically we there used to be a time in America where you could disagree with someone on their policy positions but but acknowledge that you have shared goals just a different how right but now we're in a place where it's like we don't even have we we can't even talk about shared goals anymore, or we 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 incorrectly assume that someone who doesn't share our how also um, doesn't share our what, right? Like, oh, well, they don't agree with me on policy, so they must not care about people. No, that's not necessarily true. They may not agree with you on policy because they care about people and they think your policy is going to hurt people.
0: I kind of miss that. But. Did we have that recently?
1: I <laughs> we used to have that.
0: I don't know. I'm we trying to think to of a time it. when I felt like that about either side. Not
1: during it was I think it was more common um in previous generations to that whole idea of what somebody was saying earlier which I actually do agree with which is that steel sharpens steel and you should be able to disagree about policy positions as long as you share um values and and where you're going, you know. The other problem is that how I'm gonna phrase this? So one problem is that sometimes you have shared values with a person, but you can't see it because your policy ideas are different. And other times, you really do not have shared values with them anymore, and that itself is the problem.
0: Yeah, but what they've done is they've, as you've said before, right? They they sneak in and you're, usurp your value by redefining it and telling you that you have the same value you've always had, but this is the new way to do the value, and actually. You, so so innocent people, naive people Come in and say oh well they're fighting racism And I'm fighting racism, we're both fighting racism And like no, they've redefined racism So that actually they're racists now uh, <laughs> They just think they're fighting racism uh, And that's That's pretty They just think, dangerous. yeah um, So Alright
1: Okay, thank you guys Big this Bill likes fun. Unity Even... 2020,
0: Carrie says she likes it I hate Unity 2020 I think it's stupid and i've ranted I about like it, it in the past i'm not going to rant about it again i'm, I'm extremely go disappointed there. that it came from someone intellectual okay um
1: i dig you guys even the naysayers and so have a good weekend no, a good week
0: monday <laughs>
1: <laughs> have a good <sighs> week
0: okay have we'll a talk good to week you if later I'm, yep take care See you there.
2: Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. Twitter tells me there is a 98.2% chance that these are all Russian bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. It is not a cult. Now please forsake all previous beliefs and stop asking questions. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.